Willie, I'm adding you as a um, co-host because I can. I'm a dictator like that. Stu's up in here. It's Fool and Friends happy hour. Come on, get in here. Post your drinks yeah, that's, or boilers or whatever. No, that's my, that's my that's my that's my well house. You had me stumped. I didn't know what to put on. <laughs> that's about All right. Looks like Willie and Jack should be co-hosts. JS, you in here? Can I hear anything? Is anybody talking? Willie. That was I was talking. Wait a second. Can you hear me? Dang it. My headphones aren't working. One second. Let me check something out. Technical difficulties already. <clears throat> Damn, why the fuck don't these work? Can you guys hear me? Hello? Ryan's up in here. I swear to God. Can you guys hear me? Willie gave me the thumbs up. Why don't my headphones work on this? I do not get it. Somebody it's talks like Scott, to me. It's like a Scott Adams uh, startup. What's up? It's like a Scott, Scott Adams startup. I know, right? He always has technical difficulties. It's like technical difficulties. My microphone. Let me check to see if that, that's working. You guys are fucking with me. It makes it right. What the hell? Why can't... I swear to God, like sometimes my headphones work, sometimes they don't. If I can find, oh, this is so annoying. I'm not going to be able to do this if I don't have actual headphones working. Because I'm not talking into my earpiece. That would be a disaster. One second. Seriously? They worked last time. What the hell? Un segundo. I forget where my actual headphones are. Let me let me see if I can go to my car. You guys can talk amongst yourselves while I do this if you want. I saw Ryan's a speaker, Willie's a speaker, Jack's a speaker. I'm basically not. If you're joining, uh, Fool's just looking for his headset. He can't hear us. So we got to give him some time to fumble around.
All right, how about that? Somebody come in. I think that's testing. Testing. Let's go. All right, here we go. I think I can talk now. You guys can hear me? Yep. All right, sick. All right, well, welcome to Fool and Friends uh, Happy Hour. Um, administrative stuff first. Uh, I basically did, my subscriptions are live, but I don't really give that much of a shit about them. But if anybody wants to like uh, promote anything they're doing, whatever they're doing, threads, anything that doesn't have anything to do with Twitter, whatever, um, my subscriptions are there. They're only like three bucks a month. If you want to subscribe, um, every Friday there'll be a new um, subscription who I'll basically do whatever you want because it's not about me. It's about you guys because I honestly don't even want to do any work on this on this website. But if you guys want to promote something, you can subscribe and that'll do it. Like uh, Jack, can I, is your real name Jack? JS? It is. It's okay, Jack. That's why I kind of figured. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Jack was my one of my first subscribers. So, today, he was like, I just want to get to 1,000 subscribers. I'm like, oh, yeah, we can do that. If you if he wanted anything to be retweeted, whatever. What I really would like to do, if, like, Elon for X, if he would create... He has this, like, delegation um, <clears throat> option. But if I delegate, like, an, another account to be on my account, then they can like read my DMS and stuff like that, which I wish they could just like only retweet stuff for me or, or just write posts. But if you read my DMS, like I have like journalistic sources in there, which I definitely don't want people looking at that. So if he changes that, that's what I would like to do. So I don't really even have to do anything. I don't like, if somebody wanted me to retweet something, somebody wanted me to post something, there's no middleman. You guys could just do it yourself. But that's what I want to say. Um, Jack's was the uh, first today, and then next week it's going to be Defy or Froggy. I forget what it is. Um, that's about it. But um, I hurt my foot today, so I figure we just have a little little chat here. I know Ryan's in here. I wanted to catch up with him on some of the stuff he's doing, and then Willie's here. But uh, Jack, the floor is yours if you wanted to say anything. Yeah. Uh, thanks, fool, for the for the the boost over a thousand. I uh, my pleasure, and, of course. It, and it, the steel is sort of like a homework assignment. Um, I'm not a, a big threader, and I tried to find, you know, stuff. Me neither, honestly. Well, I don't like oh, doing yeah. it. I hate doing it, but sometimes yeah. I had to do it. Yeah, I'm more of a reactor and uh, quick on the draw sometimes. There we go. But uh, thanks for thanks for the thanks for the boost. Absolutely. But, but since we have, I did have a prepared question, um, and I don't know whether this has been covered before, but. But um, uh, such, and I'm about to lose my my earphones too. I see my thing starting to starting to complain. But real quickly, um, since we have uh, undead and you here, sure. Uh, where have y'all worked out between you where y your your um, your lines of thinking harmonize? You know, if, if in terms of 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 undead's uh, concerns about DNC and the and the and the Georgia Tech researchers and um, your Guccifer uh, uh, crossover with uh, what it was the the the, um, the guy the guys that stole the the uh, NSA stuff. Uh, oh, uh, shadow yeah. brokers! Shadow brokers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely crossover. I'll bring Ryan in, but um, 
that's still something I tug on all the time. Me and we're in another group, group chat. I know like Swamp Killer, I don't know if he's in here, but he made a thread about something sort of related to this uh, right. yesterday or the day before. But, Is he a new guy? Is he a new, new guy? Or no, no, no. He's a guy he, with a different name. It's an old guy with a different name because he he was working on some of this stuff long before. But uh, so, yeah, it's not his first uh, rodeo out here. But, yeah, the crossover, there's something definite there. And well, I mean, it's not definite. Like all these articles came out that, oh, there's these ties between. Well, actually, Empty Wheel came up with this. that there's She had a source that said there's ties between um, the guys who released Shadow Brokers and Goosever 2.0, which I've seen it, too. And even like the language and stuff like that. But the whole Shadow Brokers thing, like completely, which is like one of the biggest um, kind of breaches of 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 the NSA or like even the, our government of all time. But that nobody talks about it anymore. But like, there's a couple stories that like potentially like some Russian guys use like Kaspersky um, software to right. to hack into this guy. Like, uh, I don't even know how to say his first name, Mister Fu to take some stuff off his computer. He was indicted for, for uh, taking uh, classified information out of the NSA. He, he worked for TAO, which is the, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, anyways, it's like the elite hacking group of the NSA. And he had that stuff on his computer. He brought it home supposedly to work on it because he, he wanted to catch up on work. And, and that stuff supposedly was taken off his computer by somebody who hacked into there and then released... And then people use that that software to hack and and call the and cause like the WannaCry um, hacker thing uh, that was supposedly blamed on North Korea or whatever, but that affected like a bunch of computers, hospital computers, that caused them to crash, caused a lot of controversy. But um, with with Ryan, I mean, he'll he'll update us on this. Um, the same guys, like the Georgia Tech guys, were were obviously looking into the hack of of the DNC, but they're also looking the hack of Shadow Brokers, and we know that pretty much. Hal Martin's oh. another another story where he was he was um, indicted for having hoarding NSA classified information at his home, but supposedly he had no relation to the shadow brokers, which I don't really believe. But that story is still out there. Nobody knows what happens. But um, they like the guys who were prosecuting Hal Martin and the stuff he took from the NSA. Um, are the same guys uh, that they, they worked with with um, with the Georgia Tech guys. So I don't know if Ryan, you want to go get, get into that, but uh, you might have had some stuff recently, right? I saw one of your posts. Yeah, I did. I, I did have a couple couple new documents came in, um, and I'm not sure how elegantly I explained that because, like, I'm just saying words that most people don't really know what the fuck I'm even talking about. But uh, I'm not the greatest like. Uh, presenter of stuff that's just like randomly going up in my mind but yeah go ahead yeah and uh i mean first congrats on a thousand followers jack i you know to be honest that a baby i I did (laughs) not know that you were the one that went and scraped danchenko's facebook i i was always asking fool like did we have any more screenshots on that so i i just saw Mm -hmm. that thread uh earlier today so yeah i got a bunch and then jack got a bunch back then um yeah, it was a group yeah, effort. I mean, that, that was like crucial work. So that, that was really good, uh, Jack, and, and everybody that was involved in that. Um, as far as like the Shadow Broker stuff, I mean, it, it seems to be part of a larger uh, sort of effort around the whole, you know, Russiagate saga. And that, I mean, that goes back to Bittner. And, and just the fact that Bittner kind of threw it out there 
as like an enticement. And then he, he turned around and gave some dossier type materials instead that, that sort of demonstrate that demonstrates that there might be some type of connection between the shadow brokers and sort of a larger Russiagate scheme. Now that, that particular episode doesn't directly connect back to the DNC hack, but, but fool's right. I mean, there, there are strong indications that there is quite a bit of crossover between Goosefer two and the shadow brokers. Um, so I, I'm fully on board with fool on that. And then on the Georgia tech side, I mean, you know, I have to be careful, but you know, we have indications and emails that we've already had for a long time that these guys were actually investigating the shadow brokers. And in addition to investigating the DNC hacks, that that's pretty interesting. And then just in the last couple of days, I got a couple other emails that, uh, just further substantiate that. Like one was just literally like sharing a link to a Wikipedia page um, about the equation group, which is the the segment of the NSA that had its its uh, cyber tools stole, stolen. So yeah, so equation um, group is TAO, which is can somebody like remember what that is? TAO, what is that? Something access operations, something ta- I can't tailored, tailored tailored access, yeah, access operations or whatever. But yeah, equation group, yeah. Yeah, so that that's pretty interesting. So if, if it does come out, you know, if there is some nexus there to, you know, the DNC hack being a false flag operation, you'd have to kind of look at some some people that have ties to the NSA as well. And that, I mean, that's pretty convenient to say because we have a lot of people that we're sort of looking at right now that do have those ties to the NSA. Um, and that's not to implicate any specific person as being involved in, in either episode as part of like a, a criminal conspiracy or anything, but there, I mean, it's certainly trending that way. I'm, and uh, I, I don't know, we can talk more about some of that other stuff, but um, as far as your question, I, I think that pretty well covers it. I think fool and I are on the same page. Yeah. Like the hacktivists, like their behavior is very similar. I don't like, and I don't know, like, the, like if you know about Sergey Mikhailov, like the basically the one of our assets in the FSB, um, who was working for like maybe was behind like APT twenty nine, which isn't which isn't Fancy Bear, it's a uh, Cozy Bear, it's the FSB side of it, but right, and he kind of him faded it faded into a corner, you know, yeah. That, I've been thinking more because I mean, once once Swamp Killer p- posted that again, that he was like an asset of uh, Gregory Crab, who's like a one of the postal worker inspectors or whatever. I don't know. Like for me, I don't know if he like might have been involved in 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 that hacking operation of of uh, Fu or whatever. I don't know. I need to think about it more. But all that stuff lines up so spectacularly, like. I, like I made like a thread about that a long time ago when Guccifer two just signed off. He was ba- like January twelfth or thirteenth or whatever it is, two thousand seventeen. He was basically like, "I'm done. I'm out of here." And then basically, uh, Shadow Brokers did the same thing, but Shadow Brokers came back. I don't know. Something has to be done about Shadow Brokers because that was a, one of the biggest stories and biggest hacks ever of the NSA, and then it just completely disappeared with Hal Martin, which I think Hal Martin was involved, but because he was in, he like. He had this material, and then um, then he was messaging like Kaspersky lab members, and supposedly the Shadow Brokers guys used Kaspersky lab, and then Mikhailov was was 
indicted or like arrested in Russia with a co-conspirator, um, Ruslan Stoy, what's his name? Ruslan Stoyanov or something like that, who worked for Kaspersky. So there has to be something connected there, but nobody ever has figured it out. And I've talked to tons of people that maybe know a little bit more about it, but the word is mom or whatever that saying and is. And that was in, that was know. in December of 2016 when he was, he was arrested. I mean, right. Yeah. 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 Election, Around there. Yeah. You know, uh, it was before for sure. Like all those guys, like Shaltai, Boltai, Mikhailov's entire. Yeah. Yeah. Mikhailov's entire like group got scooped up. Um, the guys underneath him, Dimitri, uh, whatever his face is, but yeah. Um, and then all the guys like Alexi Bellin and then, then, uh, then, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Nikolai Kislitsyn, and then that other guy. What's his name? Um, uh, Evgeny Nikulin. Yeah, he got caught in Prague. Like, and all those guys supposedly worked for Mikhailov. So, like, I've posted about this like a couple of times when like Brendan like called uh, the head of the FSB. Then after that, it seemed like everybody just started getting arrested. It's like the entire CIA operation got folded up. Right, but. Nobody ever reports of that on that anymore, and nobody knows what happened. But Shadow Brokers is one of the things that I want to figure out. I mean, along with Goose for 2.0, because I think they're sort of aligned, but nobody talks about it anymore. Jim Jim Comey knows what happened, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't even know. I, I don't know if Jim Comey knew what was happening about a lot of that shit, but he's a fucking idiot, so. Yeah, let's start there. Yeah. That was my question. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know Willie's a co-host. What's up, Willie? Ah, hey. What's up? I'm good. I'm just uh, trying to like hold. What time is it over there? Uh, Twelve, uh, almost one. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's okay. just like midnight-ish. Cool. But I mean, I looked at my phone. You just muted yourself. All right, Ryan, I brought you in here to describe uh, what the hell you're up to, if you can go in, into any detail. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think we've done like a Russiagate spaces in like forever. So it's probably I haven't before... done one. I haven't been involved in one for like years, I feel like. So, yeah, you can tell like I don't remember the names anymore, but I guess I've been doing other shit. But I can I can I, somebody if somebody reminds me, I can I can pull it back up. Yeah, I mean, like high level, like we. I did the the sort of the collab with with Matt um, yep. probably a couple months ago now, and basically we'd gotten a I gotten another document from Georgia Tech or from Georgia somewhere, in that it basically went a little bit further, and and we've had documents. I mean, even going back to you know work with Margot, it was pretty clear that they did something with the DNC hack. We just didn't have clarity on exactly when when it started. Well, yep. But uh, now, basically, with the the document that I saw, and then Senator Grassley released a letter, and it was it was sort of hidden because he built on uh, draw, uh, he was building on the work of Paul, I think, actually, um, sort of one of the emerging sleuths, and and he had come up with some documents about you know Antonakakis doing work on the RNC and the DNC networks. Yep. And sort of state elections and stuff. And then, like, hidden in this, like, letter that Senator Grass Grassley released, like, within this paragraph, 
they linked to a previous letter that DARPA had provided in September of 2022. And for some reason, it never got released until just was, you know six, seven months ago. And in that letter, DARPA admitted that uh, Manos and Tanakakis and David Dagan had drafted an attribution analysis on DNZ hack in August of 2016, like a day, like a day before the CrowdStrike's first report was dated, and like weeks before the CrowdStrike reports even went to the FBI. So, yep. you know, it was clear that they were working on a DNC hack. And then the letter I got from Georgia, it said that they had provided work on the DNC hack to the uh, special counsel Mueller and the Department of Justice, and they they sent those files via DARPA. So it's like weird because DARPA had. Like originally to Dunleavy when he reached out, DARPA had denied like working on the DNC hack with these guys or whatever. So, yep. Um, basically, like I have a few different FOIA lawsuits that are out there. Um, one's coming up for summary judgment here in a, in a few weeks, and basically I'll be able to prove that documents exist, so they can't uh, invoke Glomar, and then we'll be able to actually fight about the documents themselves. So I'm I'm working on. Attribution documents, um, the 302s from Danchenko are going to be in that. And then um, just recently in the uh, in a FOIA case against the National Archives, um, they actually noticed uh, the president, President Obama, under the PRA on two of the requests in December, which means those are going to be published in March. And then um, a bunch of other request to Obama are actually getting noticed in February. So they're going to be available in May because there's a 90 day period where president Obama has to object to their release under the presidential records act. And then if he, if he does object, then the privilege actually goes to president Obama or president Biden to invoke uh, executive privilege over him. But um, we'll see because um, the indications they actually gave me are that there's thousands of documents concerning the cyber researchers that actually went to the White House, in particular, Susan Rice. Um, apparently, you know, I'm just reading the documents, there's a lot of documents that went to and from Susan Rice concerning the cyber researchers specifically. So Rodney Joffe, uh, Tejas Patel, Angelos Karamidas, who I included as intermediary Tejas. at DARPA. Yeah, so... There's like, I think it's Tejas in in uh, Indian, but yeah, I like I like the uh, <laughs> Spanish <laughs> nice yeah. pronunciation. There's like 1,100 files or like a couple hundred classified files going to Susan Rice, which is which is just really interesting. Obviously, you get you know that puts you inside the White House. Um, so then I I got <laughs> I got motivated, I guess, and in early December I flew to Washington D.C. Like I, I left it like. <laughs> My flight took off at 5 a.m., and I spent the entire day there, and I took a red-eye back. And basically, I filed this application uh, pursuant to local rules 57.6, 6.1, and federal rule 6. or 6E. Basically, there's some ex- exceptions that allow the release of grand jury material. And I, I basically filed an application. Uh, it is sealed, so I can't give you specifics on it. But basically, it, it I, I would say very generally follows um, a lot of the materials that I've, I've found and, um, there might be a couple new points in there that I haven't been able to talk about publicly, but, but very generally, a lot of it's been what I've, uh, so describe which case you're, you're trying to intervene in on the grand jury. Well, I'm not necessarily intervening in a case. I'm, I'm sort of piggybacking oh, yeah. off the, uh, Nick, 
Natiko, Natiko show case, whatever. I can't pronounce his Russian name. But basically, it's the big case that Mueller filed against the 12 Russians that allegedly hacked the DNC. And, and basically, so that, because there's no judge assigned to that, that got routed to the chief judge of the district court of D.C., which is Judge Boesberg. And uh, yeah, so I had my, my first filing. It was 35 pages. The government just filed uh, a few days ago. And uh, it was kind of an interesting filing. Like what they didn't say, they didn't say I was wrong, um, which I found pretty interesting because they motioned for delay. And they said, well, we have to go talk to Special Counsel Mueller, you know, all their people about this stuff because we, we just don't know. And then they came back and they didn't even discuss the substance at all. So that, that was pretty interesting. And they kept it um, to be like a legal filing where they're saying, well, no, he doesn't really get to have access to this stuff. But I, I'm actually pretty hopeful because this, the cases they cited didn't hold what they're, they're trying to say, say that they did, in my opinion. So um, Monday I filed a response to that. And uh, it's with Judge Boesberg now, and, and we'll see. You know, there might be a potential that, um, you know, he might might do something with it. He might grant the release. He might have follow-up actions. I just don't know. So those are sort of the developments over the last uh, couple months. Sweet. So, like, basically for you guys, like, if you remember in Mueller, he indicted the IRA, which is like the Internet Research Agency, which were a bunch of the guys who did the memes or whatever, who was, ran, who was run by the late, great uh, Prigozhin, supposedly, whatever, Putin's butcher. But if you, remember, if you guys remember correctly, um, they actually fought that case, and then Mueller ended up dropping it because their evidence relies, relied on... Um, probably foreign intel, but also that they couldn't prove any connection between the Russian government and this IRA agency. So they basically dropped it. And remember like Mueller was actually reprimanded when he came out and said, Oh, this was a Putin, uh, connected like agency. Like it was basically Putin ordering this IRA thing where there's actually no, no evidence that the government was running this, but Netik show, which is the 12, uh, Russian hackers who supposedly hacked the, the DNC, the, the GRU hackers, nobody ever fought that claim. So Ryan's trying to get the uh, grand jury information that actually went into that indictment because that indictment's kind of sparse. We don't have much of the evidence that, that underlies that indictment, which Ryan is, which our hypothesis or his hypothesis, our hypothesis, whoever, is that a lot of the attribution work could have came from the Georgia Tech dudes, which there's evidence for that, obviously. Um, so we're trying to get that grand jury, inf- or I'm not. Ryan's trying to get that grand jury information. Is that correct? Basically the idea yeah that that's the idea um a lot of arguments around that but yeah i mean i, I have source documents and, and and i'm basically just calling bullshit you know i'm, I'm calling bullshit on let's the go I'm calling bullshit on the attribution and uh you know there's there's just so many weird things that happen and and sort of the um default that i've adopted is everything that's been fucked up in russiagate has been you know turned out to be connected to Hillary Clinton. And then you come to the DNC hack and you realize, you know, people connected to Hillary Clinton and the Alpha Bank allegations are, are involved in the attribution to some extent. We, we just don't know how much reliance was placed on their work. But in addition to CrowdStrike not, you know, not giving access directly to the servers and then, 
you know, you get these emails that Margot Cleveland had released like a year and a half ago now where, you know, some of the people around the cyber research are saying, well, you know, CrowdStrike's work is spoofable and, and isn't your work spoofable too? And, and there's sort of this hypersensitivity around not, crowds, not criticizing CrowdStrike's work, which was just really interesting. So there's a lot of red well, flags. Well, yeah, there's like, there's documents where, where obviously Manos was kind of poo-pooing all over CrowdStrike's work. Yep. But then they, in other documents, they're like, oh, we don't want to go harsh on, too hard on them because they did the DNC attribution, blah, 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 the yeah. early one. Yeah. Um, but also, be- before I forget, when you mentioned Tejas, like, you also have some documents that are very interesting about him, <laughs> Yeah, which I don't know if you've released yet. I haven't or, released. Or, like, talked about. Yeah, I haven't released them, haven't talked about them. And, Wait, uh, you know what I'm talking about, though, right? I do, yeah. Okay. I, I think I'm going to release all the documents that I've gotten probably in the next couple days so like we got these documents from for tejas patel and like i didn't even realize it until uh governor abbott yeah i i didn't realize until fool pointed it out but like in the darpa side he has these these initials this acronym next to him that designates him as a contractor so then you know we we kind of have this measurement like this uh we get to see this frequency, this relative frequency with which Angelus Karamitis was emailing Tejas and the Georgia Tech documents. So then I got these other documents where the name is redacted, but it, it refers to this person that was working with the FBI that was assigned to the FBI as a contractor in their cyber department. And it looks just really familiar and it's really consistent with Tejas Patel. So it's like, you know, the open question is, okay, these attribution materials that were going to Tejas, and we know that, you know, was he actually assigned and working for the FBI during that time? And that that's going to be a really interesting question. Well, I don't think it's even actually a question. He, uh, I think the documents, I mean, I don't know if I'm stepping on you. Should I step on you? Yeah, step on me. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So basically, like the documents entail that Tejas was detailed to the FBI and that cybersecurity thing. And he was basically, from what I can tell, he was probably in like the the Crossfire Hurricane Fusion Cell, which I can't, we can't say that definitively, but in the early stages, he was definitely in that um, joint cyber task force that was in Virginia. I forget, like at, uh, I know if Larry was in here, he'd tell me what that's called. Um, what's that, what's that building? But anyway, it's like a bunch of like CIA, DHS, NSA, they're all in this little task force in the same building, but FBI was kind of running it. And Tejas was, I think, detailed there, which he's the direct like contact between the, the Georgia Tech guys. And he's the guy who, 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 when they had their attribution reports, Dagon and, and, and Santacacus, they are the one he was selling. He, they were sending that to Tejas, which we yep. didn't realize that he was actually detailed to the FBI. Yep. And so you got those documents. Which well, is very interesting. The other connection is the Mission Ridge, and I think that's where you're referring to. Yeah, Mission to. Ridge. That's a, yeah, yeah, that's what. So what I I just got a document the other day, and I I don't think I realized this, but the Mission Ridge facility is actually the home of the NCI JTF yep. task force. One hundred percent. Yep. So yeah, when we had those old uh, text messages from Peter Strzok saying he had to go down to Mission Ridge. Yeah, he's Nick Whale saying, did like a he did like a thread on this a long time ago about Mission yeah. Ridge, and we we didn't know what it meant, but yeah, yeah. go ahead. 
Yeah, so then I, I got these memorandums of understanding between DARPA and the NCI JTF and, and the FBI for that matter. But DARPA actually has formalized arrangements to go help the FBI with different criminal investigations. So when the cyber researchers in these emails are saying, hey, I was tasked by the Department of Justice and we were sending these materials via DARPA, it's like, no, like they really were. They have these formalized arrangements. So yeah, it's almost like it's almost like DARPA probably didn't actually know because he was probably detailed to the FBI. So they're just going straight to him and to the FBI and DOJ like DARPA might not have even known about it. And the and the at least the attribution materials from August 7th, they went yep. to the personal email accounts. They didn't even go to the DARPA email accounts. So that oh, I have another update on that. So I also filed suit for that August 7th attribution report, and uh, they're going to deliver it by the end of August. Uh, the end of April. So I'll have that. Awesome. I, I don't know you know, how many redactions will be in that, but we'll have probably the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's dope. Um, yeah, but I really liked which, which, where did you get that, that release from? Cause when, when that kind of unfolded that he was like, basically they're detailing the FBI. That was very interesting to me. Yeah. That came out of the department of defense. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Because it seems to me like he like he was probably in the fusion cell. But I mean, that's just a that's just a hypothesis. But it seems like those early guys that were what's that place called? The N N I J T whatever NCI L L LGBTQIA plus. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah. QIP. Yeah. yeah, that's where Ted Joss was in. Yeah, that was very interesting because like it, they didn't even need to go to DARPA or anything or whatever. They could just send it straight to him and they already and Crossfire Hurricane might have already had it. Yeah. And, know. and, you know, today, Tejas is actually with the uh, DARPA. He's in Karen yep. Midas's old role. But at the time, he was just a contractor. So Which I don't which, it's nothing against him or any of those other guys, but he yep. was there and these guys were involved with, with a lot of things. But, um, yep, it's very coincidental, very coincidental. Yeah, I mean, it's not, <laughs> you start just realizing that like, these same people are involved in all these different, you know, all these different things, and it's like half the things have been like haven't panned out at all, and <laughs> like they they don't even seem credible. And the data, I mean, you got FBI agents saying the person that put this stuff together is like fifty one fifty ish, and it's like, okay, you know. If somebody like that is who the government's relying on for official attribution for the DNC hack, we need to see those documents, right? Like their case has got to be bullshit if that's who they're relying on. Like you can't even bring a case. If if you have to put that witness up there and defense gets to pull in all the alpha bank shit against the witness because that's who you relied on. Like it, it's just, it just messed up because then you also have, you know, from the Sussman trial where, where the FBI people were like, yeah, you know, we wanted to go interview David Dagan because that's who all the commentators human sources were telling him had authored the, the Alpha Bank allegations. And seventh floor, the leadership of the FBI said, no, don't don't go interview David Dagan. And now we know that they already had attribution analysis from David Dagan. So it's like, did the did the seventh floor leadership of the FBI know that when they said no, don't go interview him? And, and were they working and actively trying to thwart basically damaging information that would hurt the official attribution? Because if you had yep. to go interview David Dagan on Alpha Bank, then all of a sudden there's 
there's a record of that, right? And, and you would have to turn that over one day and, and basically have to explain what you're doing. <laughs> oh, 100%. And I mean, they're kind of used in Tejas as a middleman. Again, like I'm not saying like Georgia Tech did anything wrong. I mean, when I look at when I look at the Netsick show, like indictment, I just want to know more about like the Arizona server they're where they're using. What we know whose data they were using. Which like if they if all the data like Georgia Tech can get is what's supplied to them, like what are they going to do with it? But like we know whose data they were using. You know. See, and it's really interesting because. I've had some pr- pretty prominent cyber people tell me that, you know, if they're using new stars data and not data directly from the DNC, that data might not really tell you all that much. It might give you a few indicators, but those are not like, you can't take those to the bank. Like they, they tell me things can look really suspicious, but you need like better data to actually make like formal attribution. Well, especially if we already have the person that um, we we're getting the data from was potentially spoofing the data before. Yeah, that's well, like we're that's like your sort of your your hypothesis. Right. That like the Alpha Bank data was looked like was potentially spoofed, which we don't, we still don't even know. What right. else could happen? Yeah, it's a it's a weird it's a just it's just surreal and just weird that like nobody's looking into us. I I really thought like after Matt and I published that article. I would have thought like there'd be follow-ups. Like I would have thought that would have made it to Fox news or something like that. And you know, the fact that these, you know, people connected to Hillary Clinton now think allegations are in any way tied to the DNC hack attribution that they just submitted reports. I think that's really newsworthy. And I, I am surprised at the lack of, of attention on that, but we'll see. Yeah. It's we'll all locked there. in a box. Um, <clears throat> And recently, like people were getting into the. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm watching disc golf. I just lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> like the the um, the ICA like uh, report that that what was the story that came out recently about the ICA report that that Cash and, and Nunes like came out with? I just invited Ship to come on here. I don't know if he has anything new. He's a legend, by the way. Um, wasn't there a story recently about like the ICA report? about uh or nunez and cash's ica report that they wanted it there was there was hid like in like in the cia in a vault and another vault and because they obviously yeah thought the original ica report was very political and whatnot which i mean it could be political on their side but cash has been talking about that for a couple years now like aaron mate had a couple really good interviews with cash where you know cash can't tell us what's in it but like he's dropping some really strong hints in there. He and he said like there's there's stuff in their report on the construction of the ICA that you know just can't be explained away. So it's a real shame like the Republican Congress hasn't even went and gotten that. Yeah, which is weird and they haven't even le- they haven't even released the the Atkinson interview, yeah. which I don't understand that, but whatever. Um Ship, you want to come on here? I'm going to invite him to speak if I didn't already. We knew Ship before he was famous. Uh, he was always up there. <laughs> he's a little bit more famous now. Uh, he's a lot he just, more he famous did, he, just need, he just needs to stop pissing on, on the spaces. That's what, he, that's what he's known for. The big bladder. <laughs> hey, hey, Willie. I, just, I invited him. But yeah, I invited him too. Oh, yeah, there he is. <laughs> 
Hey, Shep. Hey, what's going on? It's been a while. Yeah. So not too much. Have been have been following your publishings without uh, getting too involved recently. I sort of have my hands full. Yeah, you're doing you're doing the Lord's work over there, buddy. More, it's more than more than you can see. <laughs> Actually, there's I got I could imagine stuff going on behind the scenes that if it ever breaks into public. At any point in the not too distant future. Yeah. Oh well, DM me it all. I'll release it. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> I, I've been, you know, sort of taking note of uh, various commentary online, particularly with regard to the, you know, revisiting the attribution of the DNC hack. But can't say that I followed a chapter and verse, so I'm really here more to kind of listen than to participate. Okay. I mean, we're just having a happy hour, dude. I don't know what time it is over there. It might be in the morning, but crack one open. I'm in, uh, I'm in California right now. So. Oh, okay. It's five o'clock somewhere. Is well, it? Can you speak on anything? Um, like, I'm kind of interested in the in the uh, in the bomber guy. It looks like that's kind of breaking open. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, in fact, I represent Steve Baker, and. Um, awesome. Notwithstanding the fact that Darren Beatty has rushed to the microphones to say he was the one that covered it all, that's not true. Steve Baker told me the details about the now released video back in November. Uh, he had already seen it and was already working on it, but he didn't have authorization from uh, the, uh, I think it was either Judiciary or Oversight. Um, he didn't have authorization at that point to, to, to comment on it or release it. So, he was sitting on that story for, you know, almost two months. Um, I, I, I think it might have been, see, see, Steve, if you don't know who he is, Steve was one of three journalists that I know of that McCarthy gave access to all of the video. And Julie Kelly was another, and, and I think Epic Times, somebody from Epic Times might have been uh, the third. But they were given access to non-public video that they could just look at. They couldn't do anything with it. They could go to a skiff in the Capitol, sit down at a computer terminal, the same material that was available to the staff of those committees. And they could just, you know, they could review it and they could take notes and they could try to inform their reporting with it. Um, and then, you know, the like the first 90 hours was released, and that included some of the uh, Jacob Chansley video that I then, representing Jake, filed a 2255 motion for failure to disclose video. Judge Lambert ended up not finding the argument persuasive, but I think the bigger problem was just Jake had already been released from prison and there really wasn't a remedy uh, that could be afforded to him, even if the video had been meaningful uh, for purposes of his sentencing. So so that's so 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 that's part of the video that has been available to journalists. Now, most of this video has been available to defense lawyers for you know quite a while, but you know we access it under the terms of a protective order, so we can't publicly disclose it or or comment on it until it's made a court record. And when it's made a court record, it's either used in some kind of hearing or during trial or sentencing. Um, then it's made public, and then we can comment on it. But yeah, I had never had a reason to look at the bomber video or the, the video of the two bombs. Frankly, the, the two bio pipe bombs wasn't much of an interest to me because it never really had any 
thing to do with any of my clients. Um, but now having represented Steve for, well, I mean, I first met Steve during, he, he was one of, okay, so the first Oathkeeper trial, the one that has Stuart Rhodes and, and four others, started September 26, 2022, and ended the week before Thanksgiving 2022. Now, I had a client in the second trial and a different client in the third trial, but I was actively involved in what was going on in the first trial just outside of the courtroom. I was in communication with the lawyers for the five defendants pretty much daily and offering my support and advice as necessary. But Steve was a journalist covering that trial every day, along with, you know, four or five more mainstream journalists that you probably heard of and followed, you know, Kyle Cheney from Politico, Ryan Riley from NBC. That guy's such a fucking douche. You know, you get to know all these guys outside he the is. room. You get to know them beyond simply what they write. Every one of them, none of them hide their political leanings. No, I I know, but he's a fucking douche on on social media. I'll tell you that yeah, right now. Yeah, you're right. I know you have to be impartial, well, but it's I'm not, not a matter of being impartial. It's just like I I I have I've had occasions to talk to all of them off of social media, standing in the hallways, in the cafeteria, having a cup of coffee. And like anybody, you know, when you have face-to-face contacts with people, you, you know, they, they, are, they are not unintelligent. They are, you know, they're, they're just guys you talk to, you know, just, and, and, and so, but like I said, and, and I've had many conversations with Ryan Riley, Ryan Riley doesn't hide his, you know, point of view. You, you know, Ryan Riley is clearly a, you know, liberal. And Ryan... Well, so is Cheney, obviously. Not, not to the same degree, but but not like Ryan. Well, yeah. But but the other thing you kind of have to keep in mind about Ryan is, and this is true of a lot of these guys, I haven't seen Kyle do it yet, but Ryan is developing and has developed and attempting to maintain his social media following, and he does that by sort of, you know, playing to the crowd on his own side of the field, Right? Because he was writing a, I wouldn't know anything about well, he that. He was writing a book. You know, he's he's playing to the liberal masses with his commentary on social media because he was going to want to sell a book when he was done with it, and that was his that was you know his his buyer base, and, and so and he wrote a book. He wrote a book. He called it Sedition Hunters, <laughs> um, and, and you know I don't know how well it sold, but. Uh, um, so, you know, it was always part of, and this kind of started, wait a minute, what did this, this started with, if I'm not mistaken, you know, was the first Obama campaign in 2008. Reporters that got assigned to the junior senator from Illinois before he became a thing, you know, they all thought that they were, you know, just like, this is a crappy assignment. I'm going to be on the bus following this guy around from campaign camp, stop to campaign stop. Nobody ever heard of him. Nobody can spell his last name, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then when the the campaign turns into something, you know, first of its kind, and he suddenly sprints past Hillary Clinton, and he's a, a, a phenomenon and gets elected the first African-American president, all those reporters wrote books, and they made a fortune. Well, that's sort of what has become the mindset of the modern reporter. Get yourself assigned to something that might turn into the opportunity to write a book. 
And that's what Riley did. Um, and it influences everything he writes on social media. And he's the first to acknowledge that. Um, so, so, but Baker, Steve Baker, was a freelance journalist. He, he would kind of sell his content to various outlets. He, he, he had a bunch of video. He licensed video that he took on January 6th. He was on the grounds on January 6th. He licensed video that he took to HBO. It's in their documentary. He licensed the New York Times. You know, he licenses it to you know ten or twelve different media outlets. They all made use of his stuff. Um, but the interesting thing about him that I immediately noticed when I was watching the social media coverage of that first trial is that is the guys like Kyle or Ryan Riley or Scott McFarland. That guy's a dick. Scott McFarland, um, Jordan Fisher, who's the local guy, works for WUSA in, in, in D.C. He's a younger, younger guy, and he works for a local news station, but he was there pretty much every day. They would report, they would have social media strings about the day's testimony, but they would, they would sh- shut their computers after direct examination was over. The only thing you got from them was what the witnesses testified to under examination of the prosecution. Baker would report what came out on cross-examination, which oftentimes... This is like when me and MB were at, at um, the Danchenko exactly trial. The they, would just run out the, they would just run out the room, exactly. you know? They wouldn't listen to the cross. Right, and, and the, some of the best stuff comes out on cross. I mean, the, the direct stuff is all... Oh, yeah. The direct stuff is all rehearsed. You know, it's, it's, it's the holes that get punched in the, defense, in, in the government's case on cross the, 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 the questions that can't be answered, or like when every FBI agent testifies, everyone in the first five testifies, not a single person, not a single person they interviewed described the Oath Keepers having a plan to take over the Capitol. Nobody. Nobody ever said there was a plan. Nobody ever described a plan. The, the indictment referenced the Stuart Rhodes plan 25 times. But there was but, but every FBI agent who asked said, well, no, nobody ever told me that there was a Stuart Rhodes plan. So that, so that kind of shit comes out in cross-examination. Well, Baker was, you know, he had a different point of view, he was a conservative guy. And so he would, his, that stuff from cross-examination was in his social media threats about trial testimony every day. So as a result, the lawyers that were in the courtroom, not me, they developed sort of a friendship with him. You know, he, they, he would come up and ask them questions. And he had all this video evidence that he'd been analyzed. And so he would call their attention to videos that maybe weren't part of the case yet or, or the defense lawyers hadn't seen. So just several of them developed a friendship with him over the course of the case. And then I came in the second case. He did not cover the second case daily. And he did not cover the third case daily. But he kept an interest really in some of the problems in the first case. Uh, and and he really took an interest in Harry Dunn and and Harry Dunn because and this is something that was never so so Harry Dunn's like six four two hundred eighty five pounds right we we know who Harry is a big right? dude yeah, right? okay Harry Dunn's in the Capitol he's a great big offensive lineman sized dude he's carrying an automatic M four and and if you believe his trial testimony he was terrified out of his mind that he was not going to get out of the Capitol alive. Okay. Harry Dunn told four different versions of, of the story. Harry Dunn's interviews and his report immediately in the aftermath do not resemble hardly at all his trial testimony. 
He then had a whole different set of recollections for the January 6th committee, which he then you know, made, was made a national hero and testified to in prime time. He then had a different description of activities in his book that he wrote. And then he had the trial testimony, which again was kind of a fourth variation. And there are serious discrepancies among the four variations. And that always, that was something that Baker stuck with Baker. And um, so, I mean, Baker went hunting. That's why they indicted him. They haven't indicted Baker yet. They're threatening to. Oh, I thought he was. I guess I haven't been paying no, attention. We, so, so we close we enough. A, we issued a press statement. <clears throat> I, I, you know, there's six lawyers, all connected to various Oath Keeper defendants, but I'm kind of leading the group. Um, okay. And uh, we put out a statement on Monday of this week because word reached. Uh, I'd had a conversation with the lead prosecutor, who's changed. The, the government has recently they had the the. The investigation of Baker was being handled by what I surmised was a relatively young and inexperienced AUSA out of Philadelphia, just you know, one of these detailees that they signed the case to. For over two and a half years, this, this young female had been working on it. And then recently, sort of out of nowhere and without any explanation, a much more experienced AUSA from the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington is now responsible for the case. And I kind of read that. I was like, okay, there's... Somebody wants this to be looked at a little more closely before they decide what to do. So I've had before they decide to indict a, journal, a freelance journalist. Exactly. It's like let's step back and have a little more seasoned, you know, somebody with a, a little more, you know, um, uh, experience under their belt decide whether this is really a state step we want to take, whether the evidence warrants it, and exactly how much trouble we might be bringing upon ourselves for actually indicting an actual journalist. Um, when we've already got the names of 60 journalists who were on the Capitol grounds, none of whom have been indicted. So, so what, what did Steve Baker do other than publish a couple of stories that have made DOJ look bad that, that caused him to be isolated? So, um, but word had reached us, and I, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to say anything more than that. Word had reached us that Steve's two stories about, you know, the, 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 what we think is um, inaccurate testimony by Capitol Police officers, and then he was the one that broke the recent information about the passerby who discovered the DNC pipe bomb not actually being a passerby, but in fact being a Capitol Police officer dressed in plain clothes. Uh, right. That uh, he he that is something that's a fact that had been set on for three years. It's never been released to the public for three years, and um, Steve broke it, and it just really agitated the Capitol Police. I'm not sure if it agitated the FBI so much, but but um, uh, the information that reached us is there was now a clamoring and multiple federal agencies to look for evidence that would justify charging Steve with a felony as opposed to simply misdemeanors with the, with the um, suggestion, again, this is just sort of the way the information reached us, the suggestion being that the felony could then be used as an excuse to execute search and arrest warrants in an early morning raid. 
when in fact I was explicitly told in a conversation with the new prosecutor that they would not do that, that if Steve was in fact charged, they would communicate that to me and Steve would be able to voluntarily appear in D.C. at a time and date to be arranged. So I wanted to, we, we, we wanted to get on the record in a statement on Monday that, you know, the government has already made this pledge. They've already pledged that if Steve was charged, he would be allowed to simply voluntarily come to the courthouse. He would not be subject to any kind of early morning uh, dynamic entry raid. And, um, you know, if that is, if that comes to pass, if that changes, and the government does that, then that's clear, you know, evidence of retaliation for his reporting. That would be insanity. Like, like you're saying, he he's he's already contributed to like various um, documentaries and stuff like that. He, what are they? What do they think he was just for being there? Like Graves came out and said, "If you're in the vicinity or whatever, we're going after yeah, you." Well, what that, what did he do? No, he was just he was. He, Is he that was, it? Uh, he's carrying. Uh, I, I don't know if he was using his phone or if he had a you know a, a, some other model video camera, but he had a tripod. You know, so he's carrying around a tripod and he was mount his phone and then he would, you know, basically, you know, uh, interview himself, so to speak. You know, he would give a narrative to his camera about what he is seeing, you know, with a camera set up on a tripod facing him. So he's not just holding his phone in front of his face. He's kind of kind of. But did he ever collapse the tripod, hit anybody no, with he, it? No, he, he, Nothing he, like no, that? He collapsed it and he carried it around. And then he would set up somewhere else. Okay, take yeah. video somewhere else. That's fair. Um, uh, and, and um, but, you know, if, uh, you know, based on other things I've seen, some idiot prosecutor, and I'm not saying that at all about the guy that has the case currently, Guys with a lot of experience. We had a long conversation, very rational, very businesslike. But some idiot prosecutor. Well, DM me, I'll say, I'll say some it. Some idiot prosecutor could say, well, that's a dangerous instrument he's carrying around. Because they have. They they've made that kind of claim for, for idiotic stuff. You know? <laughs> so, you know, a flagpole with with an American flag on it that has a you know an, an an eagle emblem at the top is a dangerous instrument, according to the government. Dude, I got dangerous instruments all over me. Um, can you go into into whatever else you're working on, or not? Oh, I'm just you know, I mean, I have uh, I don't have I don't have any really big complicated J6 case. You know, those seem to come and gone now with the Oath Keeper trials and the and the one big Proud Boy case. Everything else now that I'm seeing and that I and people are coming to me. For representation are you know one and two person cases where it's just you know whatever's on the video is what they did and that's the case and there's nothing you know nothing more complicated than that i i think that the government has in large measure gone through what i've called sort of the low-hanging fruit you know the the, the 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 two primary sources of video evidence the government has and they need the video evidence in effect to identify people but the two main sources of video evidence are the CCTV video and then the body-worn cameras. The, the, and the body-worn camera is only worn by the Metropolitan Police Department. The U.S. Capitol Police do not wear body-worn cameras. So, so whenever we're dealing with a body-worn camera video, it's from a Metropolitan Police Officer. 
So, you know, I mean, it took them, you know, some significant amount of time to review and analyze all of that and to, you know, uh, inventory the episodes where the, where the video from the various cameras provided, you know, what they thought was clear, incontrovertible evidence of, you know, whatever the conduct was of the defendant. And so where you have, you know, good body-worn camera, good CCTV video, easy to identify the defendant and what they did, that's the low-hanging fruit, right? You can just, you know, once you have the person identified, you, the evidence is a little video primarily, then once you have their identity, you begin to, you know, subpoena social media accounts. Do they have a Facebook page? Do they have, uh, you know, do they have a Twitter account? Do they have, you know, get their phone records or their text messages? You know, the normal kind of stuff you would collect. And then you begin just to, you know, assemble your case. The, the, the social media and the text messages, that's your sort of intent. That's your, what was in this person's mind when they went to the Capitol on, on the 6th? Well, what's in their mind is reflected by their communications with other people. Um, that's, that's, those, were the, those were the easy cases to investigate, accumulate the evidence, file the charges, produce the discovery, take the case trial. I think they've gone through pretty much all of that. Then sort of the second line of easy, low-hanging fruit is just the people that are walking through Capitol and not doing anything, many times posting their own video on YouTube or sharing their own video with people on Facebook. So in effect, sort of, you know, spreading around the incriminating evidence that they took of themselves. Then, then um, you know, they use the CCTV video from inside the Capitol to confirm where the person went. You know, now, you know, there's comprehensive maps of every camera that have been provided in the Defense Council. The maps, you know, show you the camera location, and you can roughly figure out the, the field of view for the camera. So, you, I mean, I, if, uh, you know, when I know what my client's wearing, if they went in the Capitol, I can just sort of go from camera view to camera view to camera view and follow them around. Um, and, and so, you know, the government can do the same thing. So that's how they establish, you know, what time somebody enters, do they turn left or right when they go in the doors? How far do they go down the door hallway? Do they turn and go into somebody's office? You know, they, they, have, they can do all of that just by watching the video feeds from the various cameras that the people move around. And then they've got, you know, their, the, the, the self, uh, the, the, the selfies uh, on the cameras or they've got the, the video that's shot by the defendant themselves uh, where, they, where the defendant did so. So those cases are relatively simple and straightforward. And once you have an ID of the person involved, it's really nothing uh, too complicated to get that case filed and, and get it resolved. I think most of that has been done, or a, a good number of those cases have been done. Now they're moving into the more difficult cases where, where, where you don't have clear really clear body-worn camera video, or the person never went inside. You've got limited CCTV outside. And most of the CCTV outside is like long lens stuff. It's not up close. You know, you have you see these some of these, you know, wide angle long lens videos that are from atop the Capitol Dome. We can't really identify anybody with those. Um, so there's not a lot of, there is, there are some exterior CCTV cameras that, that are close enough 
and, and the video can be manipulated in such a way that you can get an ID, but not to the same degree as inside. Um, so you're seeing what I think is happening is the government, DOJ is starting to pivot and, and starting to figure out, okay, how many people outside can we identify that we can charge, you know, with the 1752 counts? And that's the misdemeanor offense for being on restricted grounds, being on the capital grounds when it was restricted. Now, this is, a, this is an interesting issue that's developed on that charge in the last three months, including in one of my cases more recently. The wording of that statute is somewhat odd because it can be read in such a way, and four judges so far have done this, it can be read in such a way that it says that the defendant knowingly entered and remained on restricted grounds. Well, to knowingly do that, you have to know it's restricted. There's no, like, red lines on the ground. It's only restricted, as defined in the statute, because the Secret Service is controlling the security because there's a protected person either there or scheduled to arrive. Well, there's only, there, you know, Secret Service protectees, it's only the president, vice president, and families of each. Okay. Well, if you knowingly enter restricted ground, you would have to know why it's restricted. And now four judges have said that requires the government to prove the defendant knew the vice president either was there or was scheduled to be there. And I just had uh, the two 1752 counts dismissed after trial for one of my clients on a failure of proof. The judge said there was no evidence the defendant knew the vice president was there. And, and, and it's an element of the offense because otherwise he has no basis to know it's restricted. Now you're referring to Pence and not Kamala, right? Correct. You know, she, she doesn't yeah. come until later in the afternoon. So, <laughs> yeah. So like, um, he, oh, I just had like a thought and I forget it. Um, it, it cool. Or, yeah, but, Willie, but, Willie, you can right. ask a question there. I just had like, yeah. A yeah so, I mean, uh, one thing about the that area outside of the capital. Um, I have a friend, journalist, who works with Tracy Beans, uh, Wendy, and uh, she was just outside of the capital, and I think she's and from that point, from January sixth, I'm like, yeah, they're going to come after you. Um, and and that's I think that's happening now. Um, but going back to the the pipe bomber thing, the, the, this this whole like the way the pipe bombs were like discovered. This Carla Younger, uh, is it Carla Younger uh, lady? Um, who correct, discovered correct. She, it? She discovered the RNC. She discovered yeah, so, the so, with the so, RNC. so she discovered the RNC, and she worked for a company called FirstNet. And FirstNet, and, and this relates back to the Yotta phone thing, which is another uh, issue from Spygate. But um, but uh, she worked for a company called FirstNet. Um. And FirstNet, um, so they provide mobile 
devices for uh, first responders, but um, when the uh, normal cell phone, uh, so, so your your device, they have a couple of frequencies, the normal cell frequency, and also another one, which when you have a million people in the, around the capital or or wherever, they can still like communicate on cell devices. So my uh, twenty twenty one, uh, maybe July twenty one or uh, September twenty one. I, I forget exactly when. Um, we looked into FirstNet and we thought, well, maybe these pipe bombs, which um, basically look like dog toys. I mean, they, they look like the, the type of dog toys you would train uh, a first responder dog to sniff out uh, an explosive device in an airport or, or whatever, and then give them a treat. Um, but that's what they look like. They had uh, these hour timers. They, they, they just, they're, they're like dummy toys. You train a dog to do something with. Yeah, so, they, so, yeah the, the physical appearance is kind of almost comical. Yeah, uh, you know, they're they're it, it's a it's a metal pipe. It's got a cap on the bottom. It's got some wires sticking out of it. It's got a kitchen timer on it. It's good yeah, for it, one. That runs for one hour. And they know from video that it was placed there 17 hours earlier. Yeah. So, so, like, so how does how does that work? So, so the linking of that with this, um, like, if you wanted and you're, uh, you work for FirstNet and your raison d'être is to sell a a a a communication system that works in an overcrowded cellular environment say like when no one else can like communicate on on their mobiles or their phones but and, and, and you want to show off your product first net well why wouldn't you have a couple of like dummy dog Pipe bombs laid outside the DNC and BRNC. It, 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 and, and you go, oh, there's one here. When when nobody between where Trump was speaking and the Capitol like can actually speak to anybody because the 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 network's overloaded. Miss Car Carlin Younger, she's like, well, you know, the, the responders, the first responder network, the first net network works. So I'm wondering whether, well, I wondered three years ago, uh, uh, two and a half years ago, whether the, they were demonstrating that this first net first responder network uh, actually works when the rest of the, the cell network is is blocked off just from people being there 
that they can still like use it. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see where that would be one plausible, you know, scenario that might have been looked into back when this first happened. But I think the events since then um, are, are pointing in a different direction. I, I think, you know, I've it's long been I, I've never really, you know, spent too much time talking with other defense counsel about their suspicions about this. But I've heard a lot of them talk about. Uh, the idea that this was meant to bring personnel of, from the U.S. Capitol Police away from the building down to these two locations. A lot of people don't know this, and I didn't know this until it was explained to me, but even though these are private headquarters of the DNC and the RNC, they're private offices, for whatever reason, it might simply be because members of Congress are in and out of there so often, um, the, the, the congressional leadership has extended law enforcement protection from the Capitol Police over both of those buildings. So even though they're not strictly on the Capitol grounds, the U.S. Capitol Police Force, because they're, cap, they're members of the Congress there so often, the U.S. Capitol Police Force has jurisdiction over law enforcement at those two locations. So when the pipe bombs were placed there, it was a given that you know the call to the police would be to the Capitol Police, and it would draw resources from the Capitol Police to those locations to investigate. And presumably, you would expect that one of the things the Capitol Police would do would be to cordon off a substantial physical area and use manpower resources to do so. So, so, sorry, can I, I just like, ask you again, or get you to repeat that, but the Capitol Police like, encompassed the DNC uh, uh, yeah, and the RNC. Correct. Those two locations, it's been, as has been explained to me, but why? Even, though that, even though those are not government facilities... But they why? Are the, they are the headquarters of two two political parties because members of Congress are in them so often. So, uh, so, 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 so was this a, a specific thing on January sixth, or was it? No, I think it's 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 all the time. It's all the time. All, all the time. So, so we have this competing like like globular like like thing you draw around. The capital. So there's a capital to RNC to DNC. It's capital police, and then we have Kamala turning up, who was in sec uh, Secret Service like protection at the time. She had a Secret Service movie. detail with her. Yes. Yeah. So she, and then she turned up to. The, the DNC headquarters and and their dogs or or and, and I, I, I'm, I'm laughing because I have like 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 a couple of spaniels running around and I tell you what if I train them to uh, if I train them to explosive rather than uh, Rather than pheasant, 
Bay Bay would not have missed that. I just can't understand how. Well, see, the... that's that's part of the issue is that those those items were in place for seventeen hours, and well, you know n- nobody noticed supposedly. Now, uh, you know, the, or, or, or we're told that they were there for 17 hours. Well, there's video of the person that they have identified as placing the two items in the locations from 5 p.m. the night before, whatever time it was. Isn't it, isn't it the case that, I mean, for real, if nobody had gone to the Capitol following Trump and they found those two bombs... They would have, in fact, evacuated the Capitol and stopped the, the formalities. I don't know if they would have evacuated the Capitol because there's it's 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 not. I, I mean, the Capitol. I don't know the exact physical distance, but they're not. Am that. I losing my mind, or didn't I? Didn't I? You know, you read a lot of things on on uh, X, but I thought that somebody said straight up that the 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 finding of the bomb. At the at the DNC triggered the evacuation of 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 those houses. No. Okay. No, the evacuation didn't happen until two twenty. Both bombs were found by one fifteen. Okay. I I I I think that's the issue that I have as well is the the lackadaisical. Well, that's the issue. That that's the issue. Yeah. Is is yeah, is no, okay? But, so so let me let me let me tease out a little bit. I mean, I know these facts. The first bomb discovered was the RNC bomb. The Capitol Police bomb squad, and they have only one, was tasked to go to the RNC to investigate. They followed most of the normal protocols for investigating suspicious, possibly explosive device. Okay. The second call then, and I think there was like 30 minutes between the two calls. The second call, I think, was at 1.50. That is on the DNC device. And there was no Capitol Police bomb squad available, so they called the Metropolitan Police Department. But that took a while for them to get dispatched because by then, substantial numbers of the Metropolitan Police Department were being dispatched to the Capitol. They started getting dispatched to the Capitol at 1230. So there was a manpower problem. What's curious is that nobody called ATF. Nobody called the FBI. So, so you, you have sort of this ad hoc collection of law enforcement at the DNC, and nobody seems to be too concerned, as we now see on the video. You know, they let a group of children walk within, you know, 20 feet of where the bomb is supposedly laying there. You know, like, nobody really thought it was a bomb. That's sort of right. The so, Shiv, are you trying to get, like, the calls of, like, Secret Service, whoever might have reported this bomb? Well, remember, Secret Service has said all of their communications... Or anybody. Well, all of the Secret Service communications from that day have been lost. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> hey, also, a uh, assistant director of the Washington Field Office testified before Congress that this, quote-unquote, bomb was viable, which I guess viable could mean a lot of things. Like, if you filled it well, with explosives, it would become it, viable, it, right? It, Exactly. Kyle Serafin made that very point yesterday, you know, that that really turns on what he meant when he used the word viable, because in fact, they tried to detonate the DNC device and it didn't blow up. Uh, so just the FBI, like, so be- between 
where Trump gave his speech in the Capitol, there is a certain building. Um, and this is so I believe it's paced when like like when it's kicking off at the Capitol and people are walking down from Trump's speech to uh, the Capitol. And these are people who who weren't involved in any of the violence, etc. But they're involved in other stuff, but, but I, I, I will say no more. Um, but when they walked past the FBI headquarters, um, they noticed that uh, the FBI and or, or, or whoever's with the FBI headquarters um, up, up to the seventh floor were laughing at them. Well, yeah, the, I mean, the FBI headquarters is a mile away. It's not close to this location. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, the DOG then. But whichever one's on that, that route from... It might be DOJ then. I, I, I'm, I, I'm I mean, they're across the street from each other. Yeah, I think the, the, the hypothesis that has been floated among the defense lawyers is that the, the plan was that, that these were planted on purpose with the idea that as the crowd began to move from the Capitol towards or from the ellipse towards the Capitol based upon the schedule as it was expected to take place, that the Capitol security would be undermanned that Capitol Police officers would have been called away from the Capitol to deal with setting up perimeter around these two bombs. And then when the protest at the Capitol got unruly and out of hand, you know, that would be the excuse for why the Capitol Police, 2,000 people strong, could not maintain security at the Capitol without making them look like a bunch of idiots. You know, without the Capitol Police looking ineffective, and, you know, amateurish, which is what they turned out to look like, that they would say, well, our excuse is we had to send, you know, 300 officers down to these two bomb sites to, to, to secure those facilities. And then we didn't have enough people left at the Capitol. And then, you know, that's why things got out of hand. The problem is things got out of hand before that ever happened. You know, yeah. the, the, they, the, by the time the bombs were discovered and reported, Things were already out of hand at the Capitol, and and they didn't have anybody to send. I I I understand that. I think you're definitely right, but I think they're they're basically training devices, and um, a I think they're my, well, yeah, they're not like yeah, bombs, they were, obviously. They were, no, 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 they were no, made no, to no, look I, like I, I, they made to look like bombs because they have like a a one-hour timer, and was faced to believe that they were left the night before. Um, and I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to say this, but, but um, a good friend of mine, he, he did the whole thing, and like did the height, etc. And then he did the height of Kamala Harris, and the gate of Kamala Harris, and basically we came up with the idea that uh, Kamala Harris was the pipe bomber. Um, <laughs> get the fuck, yeah, get the fuck out of here. That didn't happen. Uh, She's not smart enough to work a pipe bomb. Come on, even a fake well, one. You know, yeah, the, 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 she can only work a pipe. No, oh, no, exactly, no, no, exactly. But 
pipe is peep in French, and peep yeah. is blowjob in French. So she can she can work a peep. Um, <laughs> it's it's like. She can make something you know, explode. We get it. We get the joke. She can make some of some pipe explode, but not no, others. No, 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 no. She, 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 can, I, can I present another theory? Yeah. Because that, uh, that, that seems that it would be a very dangerous thing to do uh, based on the idea that there's going to be a, a giant crowd trying to get in the Capitol, even for people that are, you know, potentially pretty crazy people. Um, I think it makes more sense that someone might have planted those fake bombs because the crowd didn't become unruly in, in the case that the crowd that approached the Capitol behaved like every other crowd in American history and shouted a bit, showed their signs, went home, didn't create this, this, this giant disturbance that the Democrats maybe hoped to make the Trump people look crazy. And this would have been, oh my goodness, a Trump crowd was around the Capitol and then someone planted bombs. That would have been the storyline if you didn't have the storming of the Capitol storyline that actually happened. That's Bongino's theory. I mean, I understand, but I mean, they have, they have a Capitol police officer finding it before any of that happened. You know, at one fifty, when that, you know, nobody had breached the building at one fifty. the crowd was, you know, unruly outside the building. Um, you know, I think what was unanticipated was the size of the crowd. And I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody on either side of the aisle imagined that the crowd would actually break windows and doors and go inside. I think that was, nobody thought it would actually go to that extreme. They just wanted the spectacle of a large protest with Trump signs being, you know, a, 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 a black eye on democracy. The idea that they would break out windows and take over the building for two hours, I think, Nobody imagined that. Well, nobody imagined that they would be fired upon either. Well, sort of the miracle the whole afternoon, frankly, is that there was only one shot fired by Capitol Police into the chin. That is into very the cheek of Joshua Black at one o seven p.m. before Trump was even done speaking. Well, yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a that's a, a pepper ball. But we could go on but to there, because it, there were there were there were Capitol Police all over and MPD all over with automatic weapons, long guns. They were everywhere. And, and the fact that you know Lieutenant Byrd fires a single shot from a handgun and that's the only shot fired. I mean, that's pretty amazing. It, it's amazing that didn't start a cascade of fire. Because exactly. that's the kind of thing that tends to happen. Yeah. So, so we could talk about Zachary Alam. Um, I don't know if Larry's around um, and our thoughts about him or our initial thoughts about him. I'm not sure where his, his case is at the moment. Um, I've been half following it. I think he's uh, he probably pled guilty something recently. You may, I don't know kept on changing his lawyers. But he's he's the guy who the the Fargo guy who broke the window for he, he's the guy who broke the window for Ashley Babbitt to go through. 
Yeah, I, I, I've had th- I've had three clients right there in that exact same spot at the exact same time. So yeah. I know I I know all that. And then he he after he breaks the window, he's using the helmet to break out the window. He then turns around, heads for the stairs where the SWAT team's coming up the stairs. He pauses there. He changes you know the shirt he's wearing or the hat he's yeah. wearing, and then heads out. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And I, so I, I mean I, I I think it was like the three days later I did a a, a video montage of him because going through where he was in the capital and and I, I described him as an agent provocateur. Um, I, I'm still not retracting that. I, I, oh, I, 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 let me join let me join your course there and, and, and I would I would urge people if you if you aren't following follow Timothy Hale now on Twitter. Okay, Timothy Hill is also Timothy Hale Cusinelli. He's the one that was caricatured as the Hitler guy because he had taken a picture at one point with a like a fake mustache that made him look like Hitler. Because you know, Timothy worked for a defense contractor, had a top secret security clearance, very serious guy, time in the military, absolutely nothing in his background, right? And and he goes to trial and he gets convicted. He's then in DOC for like two and a half years with some of these guys. He says absolutely 100%. Jake Lang told him Jake Lang was Antifa. Jake Lang just went to protest to cause trouble and, 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 and you know, raise shit. Said the same thing about, um, he said the same thing about, um, uh, Zachary. Um, uh, I don't know. He, I, he, I don't remember. But he said the same. This is just recently. He goes to, I mean, uh, uh, Tim got out of custody in New Jersey and is back home about four weeks ago. And he has now become very active on Twitter, calling out what he said are some of the frauds that are in custody in DOC, DOJ who are not who they claim to be. And he said the same thing about Brandon Fellows. Brandon Fellows admitted to him that Brandon Fellows was an Antifa kid. He would go around and, you know, go to protests and cause trouble and just, you know, because just how he got his kicks. And that's what they were there, just because there was going to be trouble. That's why they went. Yeah. And and, and they get paid out of it. Like, it, it, it's a, there's a certain Hungarian guy um, who bankrolls this, and, and it's expected that you... You you go and cause them trouble, and they'll either get you out of jail or you 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 spend a couple of years in Danish jail or where a Czech prison, yeah. and 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 you get paid at the end of it. And uh, it, it, it's similar to the sorry, uh, Jake, Lang, really... Jake Lang. Jake Lang has raised a million dollars while in custody by by playing the part of the you know persecuted political prisoner he's on media all the time talking about you know what a great maga hero he is and he's raised a million dollars online so 99 in czech republic i paid like in cash uh like 30 grand to get a load of Danish protesters out of jail, out of a Czech military hospital. Um, I know where the money comes from, uh, um, and I know what 
these people are likely to want to do. So I'm saying that it's a third party. Um, it's a non-governmental party, but wishes to uh, cause issues, and um, 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 and that makes some money. Right. I mean, this, we know like the summer of 2020 protests, you know, where the pallets of bricks would just turn up in the locations where they're going to be protests out of nowhere. Where do pallets of bricks come from? Yeah. Exactly. The brick fair. And, well, and, and, and also you get like, uh, you get paid money back in Seattle, like 10 million for however many, uh, 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 it was like a quarter of a million each. Because over over subscribed police or something yeah, uh, in let, Seattle let in twenty twenty, and, and and then you go back to and and it was like nineteen ninety nine when they shut down the WTO. Yeah, in, let me, let me and, something and, something else that's come up on on, on for January six weapons being thrown at the police, frozen water bottles. Okay, frozen water bottles being thrown at the police. It's like 36 degrees. It, it, I've, I've looked at the weather many times. It wasn't like in the teens or the 20s. It was 36 degrees. Not cold enough to freeze water in plastic bottles if it's left outside. Who in the crowd is bringing frozen water bottles with them on a 36-degree day? I was searching the NIH for dry ice and, and, um, and uh, liquid nitrogen. That's the only way you're going to get that much frozen uh, water bottles at, at that degrees. But, but, but who's going who's gonna to hump them from the ellipse? And why would you have frozen water bottles? On the You'd have hot coffee. You wouldn't have frozen water bottles. What, are you waiting for your water to thaw out so you can drink it later? I, I, so I, I, so I, where do frozen water bottles come from? I, I'm find I, the liquid nitrogen. Find the um, find the dry ice. I guarantee that's where it came from. I I, I love frozen water. I'm, it's yeah, always I, the I, Fed's I, way to overcharge and and conflate something that isn't actually happening. Well, oh yeah, my God. that sounds like Antifa. It's, it's, it's that freezing. sounds like Antifa protocols for sure to just come with Absolutely. frozen water bottles. Um, Shiv, I just remember like. I mean, this might be an obvious question, and you might have answered it a million times. So, why are they pursuing like all these like misdemeanors so hard? I don't get well, it. Well, I, I have my my theory is that the Biden Justice Department is intent on continuing to arrest, charge, um, try, and sentence people all the way through November of 2024. Yeah, they the want maximum this, they, they degree want this, possible. They want this narrative just to keep up all the way through November because this, this, this is what he's going to run on. This is what Biden's going to run on is that, you know, Trump is too dangerous to allow back in office because, you know, we're still prosecuting people from four years ago. I mean, that's what, that's what I figured, but I don't know if you had any secret sauce on that. And do you think there's ever going to be a sedition charge against Trump? Do you have any uh, rumblings yeah, that heard I, any I, rumblings of that? They would have done it already if they had it. They're that's what I kind of figured. But so the misdemeanor charges is basically just to keep this going forever. That's what I think. Yep, that's what I figured. Anybody else have any questions for Ship while he's here? 
or if, she, yeah, if you want to comment on anything else, no, keep on yeah, going, I, baby. I, I, yeah, yeah. Just, let me just let I, me just I, say I one thing. You. Oh shoot, I'm sorry. Okay. All right, go ahead. Let me just let me just say, uh, Ship. I, um, I I do scrape my wallet out uh, for you from time to time, and thank you. And thank and you your your gentle nudges are, are are what do it. Don't be don't be too embarrassed to keep those coming. And anybody here that that uh, wants to help us, J Sixers. The reposts are important because the reposts help it get wider. Yeah, I can do that for sure. Yeah. Well, I Thanks, tell you Jack. what, I'm I'm like a lot of. You know, I think about those J6s constantly because, but for my wife, but for my wife, you know, you might have been representing me. <laughs> Talk there to you go. <laughs> you might have been there. Might have been there. <laughs> like the fellow right before me, staying here. And, I, and I'm sorry, I'm going to fan a girl out just like a, for a hot second. Oh, I see my new class. I've been following Bill Fool. Eric Charmel's whistle, Trafalmovic, can't even, undead. McCabe's Porsche. Man, I swear to God, this is the power of Twitter. I'm sorry, now X. Anyways, I've been following you guys for, Jesus Christ, three plus years? I swear there's probably only about 30 or 40 of us that are, like, who spools up any evening tonight? Who wants to talk about DNC hacks and Georgia and all that <laughs> I mean, seriously, who does that? Because and I'm not, there's I don't think something else there. The problem is nobody else could. That's and the only. And I'm not even in a hot tub tonight. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I know, Bill. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Anyways, I, I'm gonna cut out, man. But I, I swear, dude, I'm like a total fan girl, and I'm a 52 year old stud, former Navy TSSEI. I know how the beltway works. That whole SES fucking gang. That's what's ruining our fucking country. That's that's where you get these little uh, red mustachioed lips who's stealing fucking goddamn luggage in a goddamn airport. Who does that? Anyways, I love you guys. Insane people. It. Thanks, man. Yeah, have a good one. I Bye. just followed you. You're the man. I want to say hi to my new client, Dova. I see you lurking there, Dova. Hey, Dova. <laughs> Can, can I suggest something that we... No. Must, yeah, no. Eric. Make it quick. Cheerio, Mella. Maybe we get uh, a little update on the whole Georgia. Um, if somebody wants to add him as a speaker, Eric. Um, oh, you mean Paul? I think I tried to get Paul, him to come yeah. up here. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Just an update on the whole Georgia uh like Hoya thing because I mean there's there's two like threads of Georgia Hoyas is is one uh, yeah I I, I I try to add Paul I, I don't know if he wants to come up here or not but yeah yeah while, while I mean, we got while we got ship ship could you speak a little bit on your thoughts on the Fannie Willis uh saga well also I think ship yeah. wanted to keep on going on about other stuff but yeah just keep going ship well, yeah, no, I just, think I was going to – I was going to write something on that this weekend. Um, I'm going to try to update sort of my view on all four Trump cases this weekend. Um, the Willis thing, you know, not covered sufficiently yet. And I, put, I, and I had a post up earlier today on this, and, and I had mentioned this last week. Maybe it was earlier this week. I've, 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 in the last six days, I've been in Dallas, Honolulu, and now California. Uh, um, 
there's a federal statute. And again, everybody says, oh, then nobody will ever prosecute her. So what difference does it make? It's like, okay, fine. But she's got to be concerned about this federal statute and the possibility that if Trump wins, she's going to be in the bullseye under this federal statute, which means she probably shouldn't say anything while there is uncertainty in her future. His federal statute is 18 U.S.C. Section 666. Yes, we all know it's Section 666. But what it is, it is a very, very strong federal anti-corruption statute used against state and local government officials. And what it says is any entity, any, any governmental entity that receives $10,000 or more in federal funds is covered. Anybody who unlawfully obtains, and there's a whole, you know, whether by embezzlement, you know, fraud, blah, blah, blah. Anybody who unlawfully obtains $5,000 or more from such an entity is guilty of a federal criminal, a federal felony. Okay, she applied for federal funds for her office for COVID needs. Doesn't, you know, those aren't... The fact that she got those funds means her office is now covered by this statute. doesn't mean she stole those funds or anybody stole those funds or misappropriated those funds. It's just now her office is subject to this statute. She then pays this guy a million dollars when he has no business being appointed as a special prosecutor on that particular case, not when she's got prosecutors in her office being paid a salary to work there who have vastly more experience doing that particular kind of case than the guy she hired. The guy she hired files for divorce the same day she hires him, and from that moment forward, they are apparently, you know, if they hadn't been for some time before, in a romantic relationship that she then realizes financial benefits from. You can't, she can't, not only can she not take the money herself, she can't, acquire access to the money through third parties either. I mean, it's damn near a slam dunk based upon accepting as a given the information that's been published so far. So I don't see how she can stay with the case out of her own interest of self-defense, self-preservation. That has nothing to do with whether or not you know, that her actions have created a conflict of interest that would require her to either step aside or be recused by the court. Her, she, she needs to hire a criminal defense lawyer, and that criminal defense lawyer needs to tell her, you can't say anything about this from this point forward. And, oh, by the way, you can't prosecute this case either because now we're looking out, we're looking not to help put Donald Trump in jail, we're looking to keep you out of jail. Was this an audition to become special counselship when Trump takes office? (laughs) Oh, yeah, here first. I've I've already volunteered. (laughs) I know. He's going to be an attorney general. Oh, no, no, no. I don't. Elmer Fudd. I don't want that. It's going to be rabbit season all all year round, baby. Yeah, no, but she, 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 as Techno Fog pointed out in a tweet yesterday, um, she went to that BME uh, church and she said, "Oh, it's all because I'm black." And 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 she did a, a sort of 
X party is that a correct word? X party, extra judicial commentary, extra judicial commentary um, about cool. how uh, about how everything's racist, etc. Right. Well, yeah, that's no, like the and, Georgia and, stuff, but Schiff's like commenting on the federal thing, which I like. Actually, I didn't know about that. No, no, that's no, interesting. No, I, I love a federal. Well, the, no, the, the techno, I, I love a federal. Yeah, Techno made a great point. You know, building on the Trump filing that she violated a black-letter law Georgia ethical statute by attributing racist motives to the defense. Not to Trump, but to the guy that filed the motion. She basically said the guy that filed the motion is racist. He's a defendant. She can't say that to the yep. basically the juror pool. And, and it's really bad for um, so black ladies who... who get there on their own merits without well, I, shouting well, racism. I'll, yeah, I, I'll tell you what it, yeah, I'll tell you what it reveals to me. is She's a friggin' novice. She has no idea what she's doing. Nobody would have told her that was a smart thing to do. I, I find it just incredibly <laughs> hilarious that it's. it sounds like what she's been accused of Sounds a lot more like racketeering than anything she's accused Donald Trump of. Exactly well, yeah, my right. dad, my my dad, like was in the FBI for I don't know how many fucking years, but he's just like this is a RICO case. Like what they're doing to him is like a complete RICO case. I don't know why why nobody's looking at it. Well, we know why they're not looking at it, but this looks like a better RICO case with all these um, with all these uh, prosecutions against him than what they're filing against Trump and and his alleged co-conspirators. I, you know, the, 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 the beauty of this, I didn't realize this, I just read it. I think it's true. I'm going to say it because, it, I mean, if, if, unless the person published got it wrong. That particular defendant, Moran, the one that's raised this issue, is one of like four people that the grand jury did not recommend charges against. But the, oh, okay. DA, the DA had the option to file them anyway, and she did. And we know and that it, grand jury wasn't that bright to start with. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, we saw, we saw them on stage. This mm. takes me this takes me back to my days as a drug a big, you know, federal drug case prosecutor where, you know, the best witnesses were always ex-girlfriends and ex-wives, and it's Wade's ex-wife that has busted this whole thing open with their divorce filings. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's like we're, That's we're, like Strux, like an ex-wife who like who who like blew the whistle on the Lisa Page affair. Yeah, it's, it's, it's women scorned. I, 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 this is not a sexist thing. It's just like, just. Um, it sounds like a sexist thing, Willie. You're out of here. Just kidding. No, no. I, 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 I will try to keep my uh, next comment below 7,000 words with a daily limit of women. Um, well, you need, to, you need to pick up the words per minute or words per second is what you need to do. Okay. Because it's coming so, out of your mouth so fucking slow. Yeah, I'm I'm five hours more drinking than you ahead. Um, <laughs> That's not an but, excuse, but, dude. <laughs> He's authentic. Oh, oh you've, you've lost my train of thought, but it was perfect, and I've lost it. I'm going to shut up. Yeah, see ya. I mean, on, on the one point of the racketeering, I mean, I think it's really interesting and probably really damning for Fanny that she selected this guy that has no experience handling rico cases because that goes to the point of like enriching yourself if you you like the guy and you're financial benefiting but if he at least had rico experience 
she might have a more credible defense against some of these allegations. But the fact that he has no experience and she chose him over over at least one person who did, that really, you know, that's going to be tough to confront when you you have to answer some of those allegations. I, I don't think this guy's ever tried a felony. I could be wrong about that, but that's I recall hearing that. No, try no, to commit him. He, no, he hasn't. He's he's basically a, a speeding judge most of the time. Um, it's like a, a misdemeanor judge. Magistrate. Time. Magistrate. Yep. Okay. Um, and, and that's that's his his like experience um, for however long. Um, I think he is a lives in a basement 20 miles north of Atlanta out of Fulton County. I don't even think he like lives in Fulton County. Um, and, and yeah, so she's paid him a million bucks for, um, and then she's got pays him back. Well, if I ever got appointed to be the special counsel, I tell you what I'd go looking for because I'm 100% confident it exists, and I'd be looking for the communications between him and various Democratic-leaning interest groups headed by people like Norm Eisen, because I guarantee you that's where the work got done, and then they fed yep. him the work that ended up in the indictment. Ship, I um, I actually, I'm actually submitting a, a number of FOIAs in Georgia, but I. I actually submitted a FOIA for Fanny's emails going to or from Norm and um, some of his affiliated people. And there's nothing that came back in Fanny's account, at least her official account. But um, that's an interesting point. Maybe I'll have to look at the laws a little bit. I, I don't know if I can get access to submit an open records request for his account or not. But um, yeah, that, that might take a look at that. Uh, just to fill in a gap while people decide what to say, um, yeah, the, the Senate, the Georgia Senate, have um, made a, uh, are they going to like investigate or something? Uh, the, the whole yeah, they they set up an investigative committee for Fanny, uh, but this is like so. Of Georgia, Michigan, Minnesota. Oh, I forget the other one, Pennsylvania. They're like four major um, of, of the 2020 elections. Um, they're all Republican supermajorities, and this is the first like like uh, time that a supermajority has got anything through. It's, it's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're all going to go for investigating Fanny or something. But yet we've had four years and they've had those super majorities and they haven't gone for it. I, I don't I, think they've I, had I, super majorities. There's no way in some of those other states. I, I, I think so. I doubt I it. Think so. uh, I think so. I'll... I got a tweet somewhere with a. Uh, Did Pennsylvania and Michigan have supermajorities of Republicans? I doubt it. I, I I will check my timeline, but um, 
I know it's a reply to Jalen at some point, but they, they, maybe it's not all super majorities, but it's, it's they might have uh, majorities, but I doubt they have super majorities. That doesn't sound correct at all. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. I, I'm, I'm. Uh, I don't even know if Georgia does. They might. I don't know. I have no idea. Fool, remind me. At some point, I wanted to ask you and MB about your thoughts about Daniel Jones popping back up in uh, Colorado with, like, the Secretary of State and stuff. Oh, I didn't even know anything about that. <laughs> I didn't hear okay. about that. Okay. I haven't been paying too much attention in a lot of stuff lately. But, uh... MB? I assume cockroaches are going to keep popping up, <laughs> so I'm not surprised. Yeah. But I, yeah, I hadn't really heard anything either. Don't know. Hey, is since we have ship here, and uh, I always have like questions. I'm like, man, I need, I need to know ship's opinion on this. Uh, what do you think of the Texas case, uh, uh, the the border issue that was just in the Supreme Court? Uh, thoughts on that? Well, I, I mean, I think it's been completely misreported. Um, you, you know, the the Fifth Circuit issued an injunction against the federal government that they that they could not go cut through the Constantino Well, and all the Supreme Court did was say, "Yeah, we don't think that injunction is you know authorized," and they vacated the injunction. So all they said is that the Border Patrol can cut through the Constantino wire. Didn't say Texas couldn't put it up. Didn't say Texas couldn't take other measures. Didn't say Texas didn't have the authority to try and, you know, defend its its interiors by stopping illegals from coming across the border. Didn't say any of those things. Those are still issues to be litigated in the district court where the case is pending. And, and you know, I think essentially what the court is saying, look, this is between the federal executive branch and the state of Texas to manage between themselves. Um, you know, there's a very interesting Scalia opinion from, I think, 2014 in, in Arizona versus the United States or something like that. But it's, it's, it's this sort of this very question. What is the independent authority of a state? as part of its state sovereignty. And remember, the 50 states have never surrendered their sovereignty as part of joining the United States. They all re remain independent sovereign states. So what is the authority of a state as part of its sovereignty to defend its borders? And, and you know, uh, Scalia's, Scalia's opinion is actually a partial concurrence and a partial dissent, but he covers this very question in, in some detail. And, and he basically says, look, unless the Congress has explicitly in a statute divest, you know, taken on the responsibility for itself, the states retain all the sovereignty that they had when they joined the union. And as of this point, Congress has not explicitly taken on this responsibility such that the you know, supremacy clause would um, eliminate the ability of a state to act. So it's it, both governments, the state of Texas or the Republic of Texas, or what does Texas call itself now? State of Texas. Um, and Texas. The, United, the, the United States federal government, 
they both have authority to act to defend the border. And, you know, uh, how that is going to play itself out, how that is going to resolve itself, I'm not entirely sure. Um, just going to have to wait and see, you know. Uh, Biden could, you know, nationalize the Texas National Guard or federalize or whatever it is, which, in which case it would fall under the authority of the Department of Defense and then he would have the defense secretary tell the National Guard what to do. But that's why these other states have all come in. And like, I guess today DeSantis signed an order that the Florida National Guard is authorized to go to Texas if, if called upon. So it's like, what are they going to do? They're just going to keep nationalizing every state's National Guard that sends National Guard troops to Texas to help? Man, I don't yeah, know. They're, they're just going to take away their liquid natural gas or whatever they're going to do. I, I just think it's amazing that Texas will probably they, they can cut through the concertina and Texas can just replace it the next morning and they can do that indefinitely because there's at the moment there's <laughs> that's the way things stand right. You think there's unlimited razor wire, MB? Listen, make America great again. <laughs> razor bought, wire is what makes this country great. I, I bought stock this morning. <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> DeKalb, Illinois. That is where uh, razor wire was invented, and we can do this again. You know, we, I, I used to joke, I wish I had bought stock at a plexiglass manufacturer in February of 2020. I don't get it. COVID. They, COVID, they put plexiglass. Oh, oh I forgot about that oh. thing. Imagine the amount of plexiglass that you're right. manufactured and used. Too much. I didn't use any. That's probably why. I just want to know what kind of vitamins Chip takes because he's got so much bandwidth. None. <laughs> and no and no prostate issues, I'll tell you that much. Good on you. That's probably a HIPAA violation. He probably can't talk about that, Jack. And I'm trying to remember what that was fun, but that wasn't what it was. I can't remember what... Oh, no, that's you guys said I was in the bathroom. I was in a hot tub. Yeah, you're in a hot tub. Allegedly. That might come up in that might come up in discovery at some point. So I can't wait to see that in an interview. That was I was in a hot tub. I swear that was Vivek that uh, got caught on. on Oh, yeah. Vivek was was peeing (laughs) on there. (laughs) I've done. I think I've done that on one of these, too. But who cares? Shift, you got anything else? Any any other freaking hot sauce? Not stuff I can talk about, but I got some hot sauce. No, no, talk about the stuff you can't talk about. No, no, can't do that. I know, that's what, I, that's what I'm, I'm very intrigued about when you said that. No, no, but, the, it, but it's out there. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it someday. Woo! I love it. Um, all right, I'm going to sign off, though. I got to go. All right, always a pleasure, Take dude. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks, yep. yep, have a good one, dude. Bye. Hey, Paul, I see you're in here. Yeah, I'm here. What up? <laughs> Nothing much. I can give some updates on Georgia if everyone wants to. Yeah, let's to go. So there's obviously the Halderman case, which everyone probably saw, where Alex Halderman, who's a professor at University of Michigan, was able to basically hack into the Dominion machines in front of the jury. There, he was able to kind of change the setup, so it changed the votes and kind of showed them and demonstrated how they could change the votes. 
what he isn't doing and specifically not doing is showing fraud because the case isn't about fraud. It's about showing that the machines are able to be hacked. And there's all these issues. If you follow me with remote access on every level, and if you've read the Halderman report, you know all about that. The interesting things that are coming up though are about the ballot duplication. So I'm a part of a couple of groups that are involved in this kind of as a bystander to watching them do all the technical stuff, but they basically found thousands of ballots that were duplicated. They called them strays. The problem is these are between machine count one and machine count two of the recount. If you didn't know, they deleted all the ballot images and all the logs of Fulton County, like after the initial election. So you can't really see anything. And that's what the Farberito case is. It's about the initial finding, the uh, initial ballots, and reviewing them in person. The court ordered that they had to show them the ballots in person, and they have yet to do so. And there's a couple great people who are kind of pursuing that, but the interesting things is that duplicate ballots are going to have their day in court. I know the people are preparing for that trial, or not trial, at least the depositions next month. I can't say anything more than that on that, though. All right. The, the yeah, I've been following that a little bit, but I'm kind of yeah. stupid about the whole entire election fraud stuff. Well, the, the thing that I'm kind of chasing right now is the people who set up Fulton County's election is this guy by the name of Ryan Macias, I believe, from the elections group. He is the person that was at the EAC or CISA when, in 2018 and 19, he was the one in charge of approving voting machines. So he goes from approving voting machines to creating this elections group to run Fulton's elections as well as PA's elections. And if you look around, he's on every single major court case handpicked by Hobbs to defend them in court, handpicked by the PA people to defend them in court. Meanwhile, he's getting paid to run elections, which is a huge conflict of interest. So now I'm chasing that angle. And all these guys who work together, this guy named Matt Masterson, who's part of CISA, it kind of ties into everything else. They're all part of the Stanford, uh, whatever that play thing is called, the Stanford Observatory. And they're all part of the disinformation. Uh, yeah, the disinformation dudes. So it all connects to the people who actually set up the elections. And those are the FOIAs that I have open right now. We're trying to piece together that angle. That a baby. And isn't, wasn't Karamidas like on one of those things or something? So yeah, right when Karamidas goes to Georgia Tech and is involved in the DARPA, there's this guy named uh, Wanky who's initially the one. Yeah, Wank Lee, yeah. He's, I don't know him much. I've only seen his FOIAs. And he's the one who resigned from the EA or the Enhanced Attribution Program because yep. of the spoofing concerns because they use the same type of analysis that CrowdStrike does. So he actually stepped. Well, yeah, out. well, yeah, we have that. Well, Ryan has those emails when, 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 when yeah. Wanky Lee are basically like in in sort of a little argument there about attribution and stuff like that. But to step down from such a huge program means you have to have some major red flags and concerns about it because that's yeah. Do you have so more? Do you have those which documents? maybe which maybe Ryan could say something more about that? I, I I'm actually a little bit confused. I don't know that I've seen those documents that Wanky stepped down from anything. I have documents that Antonikaka stepped down. Yeah, Mano stepped the, by. 
Yeah, stepped he stepped down from the uh, Coeus Center of Georgia Tech. So Wanky, uh, he steps down from the EA. I have a set of, I think, three emails back and forth between him and Manos about, mm-hmm. and he literally cites concerns about quote unquote spoofing, and yep. cites CrowdStrike in the emails. Like Wait, the e- EA, EA enhanced attribution? You mean? Yeah. That's right. Okay. Okay. I, interesting. Yeah, I have not seen him on enhanced attribution as far as DARPA goes. Um, and I, I have not seen emails where Wanky stepped down from anything. I just have the ones from Antonacakis. And I, I do have emails where they're going back and forth about the spoofability, but I don't have anything where Wanky was stepping down. Do you want to I'll, forward those to me? Yeah, I'll forward those to you. Because I mean, the, the header of the subject line is, I think, even something like stepping down unless i misinterpreted but it, yeah that's from manos yeah i remember manos wanted to step down from something that's coeus that's the that's the attribution center of of georgia tech let, that's not let me, that's let me not double DARPA, check before i know that he was part of georgia tech when he stepped down the wanky we, see mono stepped down from from i forgot the what the acronym stands for but it's a it's an attribution center within georgia tech Yep. And he stepped down from that leadership position. He he retained his position as part of a as part of Georgia Tech, but he stepped down from this like particular institute. And the and the subject line was stepping down, yada yada. And that's where they went back and forth about the spoofability. And Manos was upset because he felt like the policy researchers at Georgia Tech didn't know what they were talking about. And it, it kind of from my understanding, and, and this is just my opinion based on trying to infer what they're talking about like the policy people were were or at least some people at georgia tech were trying to like stand on the shoulders of the attribution work a little bit and like kind of you know say hey this is what we can do and then like other policy people were like well you know we shouldn't be using all this access and like sharing all this data all the time and and Mono's yeah there's that really one researcher that he there's that one researcher at Georgia Tech who was pissing off Manos. Yeah, it's Tim yeah. or something or other. I can't remember. His name. Muller. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah. I may be wrong about that Wanky Lee stepping down. That'd be interesting if Wanky stepped down about something. Because he was, he was yeah. a little bit um, uh, skeptical about what Manos was doing. Yeah, he, he was the one talking about is spoofable. Yeah, and then Mono stepped down. But if if Wanky stepped down because he was concerned about attribution, I, I would love to see those emails. Yeah, you, yep. It sounds like we're talking about the same one, so maybe I misread who sent gotcha. who stepping mm-hmm. down. Email. Yep. But the the crossover was Wanky Lee is actually one of the people who, before even the elections, knows enough about the elections. He's on task force in Georgia citing all of these questions about vulnerabilities, very specific, very detailed. He's considered one of the experts. And all of a sudden, he drops off. I don't see him on any more emails after a certain point. And then all of a sudden, Angelos Karamaitis gets nominated by David Becker. And I have those emails where David Becker of Eric and Jordan Fuchs handpicks Angelos Karamaitis to be on the Georgia Safe Elections Task Force, which is kind of hilarious. And I have all those emails from... <laughs> Georgia Tech, and they actually seem pretty reasonable from Karamitis. You can tell he doesn't have an elections background, but one of the emails is him talking about a hack at one of the uh, precinct locations, and they go back and forth, and then Jordan Fuchs cuts in, who she's the 
Secretary of State, person right under Raffensperger, basically says, we're going to call you. And then that's the end of that. Interesting. You know, it's actually a thread. Sorry to jump in, fool, but... No, no, you go go for it. There's actually, like, this thread of inquiry that I've wanted to get back into, and I I started submitting some requests last week, actually, and they they haven't produced anything. Um, But going back to some of your foyers on getting, like, Manos tied to, like, the the state election uh, type stuff and the RNC and the DNC networks, as an extension of that, I mean, I, I went back and I reviewed this because... Part of like the Russia Gate, you know, Spygate stuff was were these claims that Russia had hacked the state election boards in Illinois and Arizona, and the first report of that actually came out in September 2016, which I find to be really interesting because it cited like unnamed sources and and sort of an extension of of what we've seen with Manos kind of referencing those um, hacks of the RNC and DNC and and. The references that we have are like 2020's election, I think. But I am really curious whether, now that we know they were tied to like the, the official DNC hack attribution, I'm also really curious if they're also the source of those state election board you know, attributions or, or reports as well. So they 100% um, are. Um, okay. So I've pieced it together a little bit. So they have... Yeah, they're they got monitoring it. egress points what I figured, from but... Dominion, and there's also this one red flag email mm-hmm. where they're talking about hacks of these slit or state local networks, and they say elections related, and they're actually trying to update DHS and CISA about, hey, we need more information about all these nodes and your Albert sensors and all this, but it seems like they're kind of stonewalling them and not giving them all the information while other people are, but they definitely are evaluating it. And they actually give a presentation to the president of Georgia tech about the election related stuff that they're doing. And they specifically cite Russian and Iranian uh, Mm -hmm. in that email where they're talking about the hack of the uh, elections network. Yeah, we should, we should touch base because I've actually, um, been work with Matt on a, a lot of the disinformation space, which obviously kind of ties in with everything. But um, I'm really interested in that September 2016 re- report on the state election board hacks. And I'm, I'm kind of curious if we can maybe identify one of these guys as the, as the source that ABC used for that report. I think it was ABC that published it first. That's all I had, fool. You can. Well, yeah, like, um, I mean, that also, like, forwards to the potential DHS, like, hack or whatever in Georgia, which, like, was sort of buried or whatever. Yeah, Do you know anything right. about that, Paul? What was that? Sorry, I missed that. I was finding the post with the uh, the hack of the elections. <laughs> like, you remember when, like, Kemp got super pissed about this, when, when DHS actually hacked into into Georgia's um voter role or election system do you remember that like and this is like involving the protectors or whatever like an offshoot of of anonymous cool i I was actually looking at that last week myself and uh yeah it's ridiculous like georgia has a, a department of homeland security and i'm kind of venturing a guess that they would have been involved in like maybe like 
they would have received the information first on that. So I, I've been starting to submit some open records requests, but, but yeah, Paul, if you have anything more on that, I think that's really, it's really like Jay Johnson was involved in that. I don't know. It's like a weird story, which another thing just like just under the rug completely. Yeah, absolutely. That that's probably worth a, you know, a little dig on that. I wouldn't mind digging on that. Cause I remember reading some emails just within Fulton County about why didn't anybody let us know about this? It's almost like a pseudo penetration test. It sounded yeah, like. it's like a yeah, it's like a pen test for sure. Um, but DHS was yeah, because Georgia trace trace it back to DHS, and they're like, "What the fuck are you guys doing?" Yep. So yeah, penetration testing is something I didn't know about until like a year ago. So I, are you guys familiar with Fortalis? I only know them in the context of the Secretary of State's office and Fulton County. There was a remote access that was actually reported by the precincts where someone hacked in, took control of one of the polling pads, and they reported it. And then Fortalis comes in, and they, they're they the ones who've been working with the Secretary of State's office and taking over their kind of network security. They talk about, we work with the state, we should do this under a non-NDA, and they do it. And then I requested any contracts, emails, and they stonewalled me. But Fortalis is the one who is doing penetration testings actually at the Secretary of State level on their whole network. And then looking at the testimony from Curling versus Raffensperger, they don't fix half of the issues that they find on the penetration testing, which almost means it's not penetration testing. It's like an exploitation. Yeah. <laughs> so Fortalis <laughs> is an interesting company that I think is going to pop up a little bit. Spell more. that. Fortalis, F-O-R-T-A-L-I-C-E. Okay. I don't think I've seen that before, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, that like sort of mirrors other stuff I've kind of looked at. It's like NSA, it's like backdooring basically, you know? You set up like a backdoor so who like the good guys can still get in there, which is not good guys basically. So, did somebody say Fortinet? Sorry, uh, no, Fortalis. Fortalis. Okay, I just it just the Fortinet thing going back to the shadow brokers and today, Chris, and that was the 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 TAO like bit of the shadow brokers, which was supposedly got through into pedestrian emails. Um, Jonathan Langdale talked about it a lot today. Yes, it was like yeah. that you can get through a Fortinet server and, um, and, that, and that was part of a Shadow Brokers thing. So it just sounded sim- uh, familiar. Uh, sorry if I misheard. Paul, didn't you have a thread no, that includes something on Fortalist? Uh, yeah, it's... Uh... I'll post it. It's okay. It, it was. It's probably the one thread that got the most views out of anything I ever posted because I think it was the first direct link where they admitted remote access, and it was right there in the emails as plain as day. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that one from you, and then I don't know if I congratulated you, but like Senator, Gra- I was talking about earlier. Senator Grassley actually made some inquiries it seemed to be based on your work on the, the RNC and DNC networks and all that stuff. So that, that was good stuff. Legend. <laughs> but can, can I just say something like about, no, 
yeah, yeah, no, no, because because I like like post twenty twenty elections, he was like doing the Georgia um, open records access for like like all the the video and 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 I think it was before I even knew when Dad. And he was just like on it. He was just on it. Um, like he was prepared to pay like hundreds of thousands of dollars to get like the, the video drops of all the, the ballot drops, and 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 he's just got into foyer in an amazing way. So I I, I really appreciate every. Well, yeah, these foyer guys are legends. I'm way too fucking lazy to file any of that fucking shit. Yeah. No, I, I think Undead, because Undead's the one who kind of got me into it, to be honest. And this all I know started... you, yeah, like there's been a few, there's been a bunch of guys that Ryan's got into fucking foying. Yeah, because there's Alpha Bank, I started, and then George. Atomic had... Penguin, there's another guy. No, this all started... no, go ahead, Paul. No, this all started with Dropboxes because I was curious and just wanted to look for ballot harvesting. And they literally laughed in my face when I called them and spoke to them on the phone when i was like listen i'm just trying to count with my freaking counter and watch how many people <laughs> walk up to a ballot box and see if it matches the transfer records and needless to say they didn't release the transfer records till like a year later in a lawsuit and i did get the videos uh they deleted 30 days of videos while my open records request was out and they only had six days maybe four days kind of six days total the last six days of the election so they pretty much deleted all of the drop boxes which coincidentally is also the people that are walking into the polling centers the way that they're located and in 2022 i did the same thing and even foia'd before the elections even happened and the day after saying i want them and they just flat out said no that time <laughs> But, but but didn't they say like it was like a hundred grand for like the, the 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 storage devices to get all the, oh, the Dropbox data? The initial right? estimates. I've had everything from you know to get the whole thing. It would have been hundreds of thousands of dollars if I got all thirty days. But I narrowed it down. They said they'd give it to me, and then they came back and then said they deleted them because I specifically wanted like five locations instead of paying for the whole deal. So, what the fuck? Why don't you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars? <laughs> I got a mortgage. <laughs> yeah, get rid of that. <laughs> I got move to San Francisco. One. Do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fucking awesome, Paul. Um, great, fantastic work. I love how like we're just doing. I mean, not so much me, but you guys are just putting like your money where your mouth is and stuff like that. It's, it's just amazing what this has turned into the patriotism. And the, the funny thing is like nobody around here in my, my town knows anything about this. That's the funniest part. <laughs> I know. Dude, I know yeah. Undead is all in. I, I never oh, yeah. like it. He, <laughs> he buried himself in it. Oh yeah. Great day. Well, oh, yeah. Fuck. Like, I mean, 
Yeah, my normal life is like nobody really has anything. Well, they know I do fucking shit on the internet, but they have no idea. Like, it's not even like you can actually explain it. It'd be like, oh, like you you would go to the end story and be like, oh, these guys did this. And they'd be like, I have no idea what the fuck you're even talking about. Like to even have a conversation about this stuff, you have to give like hour long presentations and it's never going to fucking happen. I'm never going to do take the time. It's like, uh, I, I don't know. I just have fun on the internet. I have no idea. I do journalism. Yeah, I guess. they assume it's OnlyFans cool. So, what's that? They assume it's OnlyFans. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, oh yeah, you have forty thousand followers or whatever. You must have been um, definitely whoring yourself out. Which, yeah, uh, you, know, you never know. You never know. I'd rather so, just not do the the hour long presentations. Just be like, oh yeah, I just do journalism or something. It's all confidential. You'll never know. So uh, I, have, I have I have some like, like old school boy like like friends. We go shooting. We do all that, that stuff and uh, we basically run our dogs and we have chat about how the fishing was last week and this that and the other and. Uh, and then it's like, why are you always looking at your phone? Well, <laughs> why are you always looking at your phone? It's like, well, well we just busted. I'm trying a, to save the world here, buddy. Yeah, we just busted a Russian spy ring. And it's yeah. like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, you had, didn't. We, well, no. Okay. No, that's what I'm saying. Your friends would say like that. I remember like when we did the Danchenko shit. Like I was at, I was in, uh, I was in like the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri during COVID, I guess. And uh, yeah, like they would have, like I'd like look at my phone and like all the shit was going down, and nobody around there would have a fucking clue what was going on. I I I, mean, I remember standing in a line because it was COVID at the time, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I was standing in a line to get into the supermarket and I'd worked out Olga Galkina. And I was yeah, like, Yeah, you DM me. Like, I'm like, Yep, I already yeah, got I'm it. Yeah, I'm DM'd you. And I'm like, That's it. That's her. That's the one. And I'm like, In this COVID line. And, <laughs> and, and you just look around and you're like, Nobody has any idea that you've just. Busted a Russian spy ring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it was like, it was just this weird, weird thing. Um, the other one was for one of the, the video of uh, the, uh, what's the name, the Zachary Lamb, the, the Ashley Babbitt thing. I, mm. I was ha- halfway up a hill doing that. It, it, it was just randomly up a hill, and and no one knows, and it's great, and I love it. I love it. I know, that- like, yeah, I, I remember when, like, when I busted like um, Eric Charmella and his his meetings, like, in the White House with like the Ukrainian prosecutors, and I was like at the gym with like a friend who like basically knew what I did, and I'm like, this is gonna be a hot one. And I remember like I got like five thousand retweets in like ten like minutes or something like that. We we're at the gym. I'm like, look at this. Like my phone's like fucking dying right now. And then like it's the only person that knew, and then I just went home and did whatever. Yeah, that's, it's like crazy that's shit. The, that's the best bit about it, isn't it? I think not the best bit, but it's 
it's, it's like, like that meme. It's like nobody knows <laughs> when it's like everybody's dancing. There's like one fucking loser in the corner. It's like nobody. Like I remember like somebody uh, did like a meme recently. It's like nobody knows that Elon just re- Elon Musk just replied to me. <laughs> like that's exactly my life, probably. It's great. Anyway, let, let, thank you for everybody who's on here, right? Because I, I gave you through it and... Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I know, but pretty much everybody... Well, yeah, they understand that shit. Yeah, we, we all understand this stuff. Um, and you all put effort in. And just thank you. Because, I, I mean, I should be Likewise, doing other bro. stuff. But... Um, but isn't it the funnest <laughs> hobby? Isn't it like, can you guys, uh, oh, isn't it the yeah. funnest hobby you've ever had? I think so. I mean, yeah. it's addictive. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm like, boy, fan, I'm like, I, I'm trying to like shut down Twitter and then I come back because I need to know yeah, about a, a little a, bit of this and that. That's a terrible and, idea. Well, no, it's, it's, it's good. We, we're going to get there eventually. Um, I think, but um, but in between time, we need to like like, like work out where the threads of all this like last eight years. It, it's ridiculous. It's like 2016 it, when the DNC hack happened. Like like trying to remember what Matt Tate was talking about the XGCHQ guy who's obviously disinformation and Anakin yeah but no but, but oh well Tate and Hannigan yeah as well and all these like and we, we've delved down so deep and we've got it we, we, we I wish ish. I wish Congress I wish Congress had the same memory you know, the same level of access to information that we do well, they have the same access. I mean, I, they just don't have the same fucking brain. Right. Yeah. yeah they pass the brain. I mean, there's there's people that know. There's people that follow us, and there's you know, there's people that I've talked to, and like they know all about this stuff. They just don't want to do anything. Okay, the same level of 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 knowledge and same devotion to the to the problem. There you go. <laughs> well, it is hard because, like, for a lot of those guys, they have to cover so many subjects that you can't just focus on one little niche, niche thing. That's why, like, a bunch of other these like corruption scandals come up, like Hunter Biden laptop, which I've dug into a lot. But my main thing has always been RussiaGate and and peripheral things about that, and I can't just, I just don't want like. I don't really feel like digging into anything else anymore. Like it, it was a lot of neuronal capacity and stuff like that. And a lot of time and a lot of stuff like that. And I just don't feel it's like, it's like, you know how like artists, like their first album is like always their best one. Cause they put their entire life into it and they're never going to be able to do that again. It's like, that's kind of how I feel. Like I don't feel like putting that effort again. Cause I know how much it was on the first time. I will say, and you guys tell me your experience with this, but the tools that you sharpen become really interesting in daily life. And it's like, oh, oh you yeah. want to know you you want to know that guy's background? Give me fifteen minutes. You know, it's like, yeah. 
I mean, I'll like social engineer people in like my daily life. I'll do like all that fucking shit. And they'll have no idea. You can't turn it off. (laughs) No. No. Yeah. And any person that comes into my life, I'm like, oh, who the fuck actually is this person? Just like, you know, dig into it, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, you cannot turn it off. I, I have a lot of dogs. I just don't post them on the internet because I know that if I post a picture of my dog on the internet, somebody will do exactly what I do. Like, what's his name? But, um, yeah, but your dogs my, are probably my, posting pictures of you on the internet, Willie. Have you ever yeah, thought about that? No, no, they have their own internet account. Yeah, uh, another one, but. The um no Mangiata, the, the one of the big lips, uh, Papadopoulos, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I remember spending twenty four hours on Google Earth working out exactly where that photo was taken from, mm-hmm. uh, like somewhere in in Bulgaria, um, by looking on Google Earth for twenty four hours on the size of the swimming pool. It, it, like n- no one should do this. <laughs> we, You're right. We, Only we you should. Be, we, we shouldn't be well, doing that's, it. that's the title of the book. No one should do this. Do not yeah. do this. Don't try yeah. this at do home know, or anywhere else. Do you know it, it, it was the other guy? The, the not um, Demir Gotta. Uh, the the guy with uh, yeah, the guy with Dan or with Charles Dolan, Charles Dolan, yeah. and it's like oh, I can find the exact window <laughs> in me Russia. and MB talk to Charles Dolan. <laughs> yeah, I know, and it's Facts. like, why are we doing this? A nice guy. Uh, I know, I'm sure he is, um, and and I'm sure, I'm actually sure that I've been shooting with Chris Steele, um. That's that's a a different uh, conversation, but I, I'm like, yeah, I've been cheating with him. You, you must he, have. <laughs> he was a cunt. Oh, 100 percent. And I was a serf. I was a serf, but my dogs worked well. <laughs> that's all of it. That's it. So, yeah. Um, I I don't know. I we we are crazy to have this like. Uh, Autistic, like delving down on facts or or details and stuff, but somebody has to do it. Well, it's like that's why I'm here. That's I was like nobody else is gonna fucking do this shit. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like it's like okay, if you really believe like the DNC acts a false flag operation, and like we actually have some evidence and like some good analysis and theory supporting that. Like, how do you just walk away and just like ignore it at this point? It's like nobody else is looking are you really just going to turn away and like not pay attention to it anymore how how can you do that if i could figure I, out how to do that i would walk away tomorrow i wouldn't do this anymore <laughs> it's like the worst I, hobby i've ever had dude, you should life. have it dude ryan just get a traumatic brain injury and you'll be fine i yeah i need electroshock therapy or something to scramble everything up because i recommend i recommend drinking more it works for me uh, yeah I need yeah just smooth that out. brain out you'll fucking definitely forget about it <laughs> and to parlay on that you think someone else is doing this out there 
one of the groups I'm in is the people creating a program to basically replace Eric in voter registrations across the country. They're super well funded and in touch with Trump's lawyers, but they were in touch with the RNC and all these other groups getting data. And they said all of their data is old. They don't know what the hell they're doing. There's been no real effort to look for anything. So you'd think someone else is doing it. No one else is doing this, really. I think you, like, underestimate how, like, I always underestimate how fucking dumb the average human is, I think, because I'm above average. And, like, I can't ever, like, put myself in their shoes, I don't think. And I feel like when I talk sometimes, I'm like, I don't think anybody really gets it, maybe. And um, and that's probably true. I don't know. I think we're just like um, a little bit on the right side of the bell curve where you – oh, shit. I almost let it go. Where I, I can't relate maybe to the middle. I don't know. And I don't really know what the hell they're doing, what, what the capacity they have. And I'm not trying to like sound like a narcissistic person, but I think it's maybe the truth. No, it's like some of your most well-thought-out tweets get no traction, and then some asinine thing I post is the one that gets, like, a thousand likes, and you're like, that, that's what you like? That's, yeah. That's it. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I can do more of that. It's like, I used to be a rapper, and I'd be, like, right, I'd be writing, I'd, like, get stuck on very complicated lyrics, and then, like, I'd listen to the other rap and be like, oh, that's all I have to do? I don't even think I could do that. Like, it my integrity wouldn't bring me down to that fucking basic ass level. But I think that's basically, you can apply that to any, any science or any, any occupation or something like that. I don't know. So, so, so the, where I came in, in 2015, 2016, it was a random offhand comment by a friend of mine called Jay Peace. And he said, uh, he said, Oh, Bernie Sanders might look good or whatever. And then Oh yeah, and he's I, hot. I, yeah, no, no, but I I mean like in American elections and I was like doesn't sound right. Anyway, so I I, <laughs> I, I, I started looking at the the um doing the math on the primaries in twenty sixteen. No, and I was like, it doesn't add up. Like they're cheating, they're cheating. It, it's like they're um, it, on a on an Excel spreadsheet. This is not like the advanced mathematics that is my pinned tweet now. Um, but I was like, no, no, uh, uh, I can use my mathematics and uh, Excel wizardry and yeah they're, they're cheating and they cheated bernie out of the, the thing and i'm like well i've met hillary i hate a cunt <laughs> sorry she is a cunt um oh yeah everybody knows that uh, and, and 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 i'm like well so it's either bernie or it's uh trump and I, I must admit, I'm not. I wasn't like Trump down the escalator, Trump supporter. Um, well, I didn't who, vote in 2016, so. <laughs> well, no, I, 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 I can't legally vote, even though I did. Um, I mean, I paid a Mexican to vote, 
Um, Congratulations. <laughs> You're caught, dude. No, I'm That's, not. I'm, a C- I'm an FBI CHS. You're done. No, I'm definitely not. Um, you not hear the, the people pounding on your door right now, Willie? No, I'm literally in the safest place in the world. Like, like there, there's, we have no crime around here. I, I mean, I, I, besides I what the fuck you're doing in our elections. No, I, 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 I'm not doing anything in your elections. I'm, I'm the, um, like Chris Steele. I'm like his, the opposite. I'm the antithesis of that. Um, I'm, I'm the ugly. Hey, Willie, go ask your old friends. I need to know what the Podestas and Vostrom did to screw over Barry Sanders. I need to know that very badly. Sorry. Actually, yeah, that's like a very interesting topic. My, my old friends. You're, you're old no. Bernie. You're old Bernie bros. No, 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 no. I, 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 I literally, I, I'm not a Bernie bro. Well, I know, but How, everyone loves you, Will. You've got friends. Uh, okay, you're a for me. However, you might notice that a lot of my followers are Bernie Braves who have stayed with me and um, voted Trump in 2016. So uh, all the Bernie Brave like, people I knew, um, yeah, they all went Trump. Well, Hillary did um, something really bad that really upset some people, and we can't figure out what it was, but it involved Bostrom. Bostrom? Right. In 2015, those, 2016? Yeah, those like tweets are very uh, interesting. The Podesta of Bostrom. Was it like Uranium One and shit? That no, do you remember? Like, no, 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 so, right. Yeah, no, fix no, a no. guy. Yeah. Okay. So it's so like really a... interesting. If you go, like, I was reading uh, Clinton Cash again a couple weeks ago, and uh, uh, Schweizer talks about all these shell companies in Canada, and I, I kind of want to take another look at that. Yeah. I think my reading of it was Uranium One was a was a separate issue he was throwing in their face. I think the Vostrom Podesta thing was its own thing. And I suspect it had something to do with email, something along those lines, something techie that, that, that was just my, that's soaking in this thing for fucking five years or whatever it is. <laughs> okay. So I'm um, just going back. All right, guys, um, I might have to bounce like in a few minutes, but I know eight brave, uh, eight brave mice has been on here for a while. If she wants to say anything, I want to bring her up. All right, just before that, the, the uranium one, the Charles Hotel, Amy Sterling Cassell, better people, and a few others. Like, say, so Charles Hotel is the guy who is. Clinton Foundation researcher guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But and similarly with Amy Sterling Cassell, 
and then got polar analysis back then. That, that, I guess, how, I guess you dropped that. Yeah, that's how we that's how we got the the whole right uh that uranium one thing, I think, if I remember. Well that like Douglas I forget his name. That whistleblower that went to like John Solomon and a couple of other those things. I'm gonna bring back on Sefer <clears throat> Hawadid. You're back. Hello. Sefer X. Sefer Hawadid. You're back. Am I still here? Yes. 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 Oh fuck. Um, I guess he's not speaking. Anybody else want to wrap it up? I got to get out of here. Yeah, I'll just I'll just say uh, uh, real quick. Uh, think about joining Fool's uh, subscription. Yeah, I'll if do you, anything for you guys. You too. I'll be your have, little whore. You too can have a thousand <laughs> followers. Big, yeah, big day for me. <laughs> you know. I'll, yeah, Jack. Thank you. Thank you for 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 popping my cherry there. That was very nice of you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll see you in your messages. All right. <laughs> No, I'm serious. Like, if you guys want to join, like, I'll do anything. Like, I don't really care about, I don't, I don't, for my personal account, I don't really care about doing that much on Twitter that much anymore. I'm just, I like just doing comedy and whatever and just doing whatever. It's clearly just my, like, my journal. But if you guys want to subscribe and on Fool, Fool, Fool and Friends Fridays, I'll do whatever you want. I'll do your charity. I can retweet whatever you want. If you want to subscribe, if you don't, it doesn't matter to me because it's just there for you guys. Um, the other thing is I want to shout out the School of X. I create a community. We have like a book club. I think the next, the first um, meeting spaces will be next Thursday. I don't know how many people read the book. I don't really give a shit. But um, the, the people can... The Upanishads. The Upanishads. Yeah. Uh, the End of the Vedas is, is the first book. And then we're going we're gonna to march our way through uh, the philosophy from, from I guess, the oldest to, to our present day. We'll see where we can get to. But um, the, the reading list is kind of on one of my threads there. But yeah, School of X, I wanted to restart like the Platonic School. Um, and we can go through a bunch of religious texts, mysticism, philosophy, etc. I've read most of this stuff. It's fun for me. I feel like I, I, would, I actually, honestly, um, for a lot of the stuff I've done on Twitter or in my regular life, I kind of attribute to mysticism, which is kind of weird for a lot of people to understand. But that's what I do. But that's honestly what I attribute it to. And uh, a lot of these texts have helped me for that. Um, and you will end up at Zhuangzi's uh, crooked tree. Yeah, you might be tree. at the Zhuangzi. Zhuangzi's crooked tree. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, might. But, but, yeah. but that's basically where we'll end up in that whole like, exactly. mysticism thing. And it's great. I, I love it. I'm, I, I think uh, I'm going to have to reread Upanishad's uh, 
the Upanishads are very it's very nice but I also say it's like um a little bit biased because Sha- I think Shankara picked out like the Upanishads that we're reading which are sort of like the principal Upanishads which kind of uh are non-dualist or kind of monism centrist which I haven't actually read a lot of the other Upanishads besides these ones so I can't really comment on the rest of them but it's kind of a little bit biased but Maybe I'll read the other ones, and they're kind of saying the same shit, but I have no idea. I, I mean, but, I mean, I, I, I've given myself like it's a week away, isn't it? Yeah, it's a week right. away. It's on. So I, it's, I, 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 I'm gonna do it like exactly the way I do the rest of my homework the night before. So there you go, fresh in your head. <laughs> yeah, fresh in your head. Um, that's all I got. Any of the other speakers want to say anything before we sign out? Yeah, join my book club. Uh, we will be uh, going over the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Uh, it's yeah, also Friday we'll get night. There. <laughs> it's going to be in my book club too. We're yeah, going to go. We're going to go through Alistair Crawley. Right. We're going to go through uh, Blavatsky. Uh, all that shit. Yeah, but I'm doing it first, so you know. Yeah, but you're going like from front to back, and I'm going from back to front. Boom. Um, Umberto Echo. What you don't you don't think that's all based off of Upanishad shit, anyways? Yeah, exactly. But that's where we ending up. Well, it and, depends on how and, you think time flows. Well, no, be, because there is no such thing as time. No, exactly. but, I, but you're right. One of my favorite mysticism in life is I did meet Umberto Eco in a bar in Milan, and I'm right. Sorry, it wasn't meeting yeah. me on a spaces, Willie. No, him. Sorry, it's like it's just like, and it was my girlfriend, and and we we just come out of a thirteen day party in Rome. That was that was a bender, basically. No, it was like we we put on a a party which ended up in uh, La Repubblica, like. Uh, techno hippies came to make our new year for 13 days and it was sounds like a lot right, of blackmail right, in, no, information no, it has not, on you no oh, well me i don't i don't i don't give a toss um <laughs> me neither but, uh, <laughs> it's like uh my security service know what i'm about that's what i figured <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, literally, I, I, I assume that they just let me exist because I chat to you guys. So, let's go. Yeah, right, sweet. <laughs> right, anyway. All right. All right, love you. All right, All right love you, Willie. I'll see you, see you next time. Ryan, anything? Yeah. Always uh, great. I wanted to plug, I'm starting a, a knitting group. And I thought we would all sit around and like knit no. corner sweatshirts or sweaters for for next Christmas. So if I'm gonna hard, I'm gonna hard that, pass that. I think it's too late. I don't think we'll get there in time. I'll never finish a sweater in the last. Actually, month. Sub- subscribe, subscribe to me, and I'll plug that. See how okay. many, how many, I'll subscribe how many, to you, but yeah, then how many knitting is, group we can get? Membership to my club is only two hundred dollars a month, and I will uh, accommodate all requests. All right, good luck. For sweaters. Good luck. Anybody want to join Ryan's knitting group? If anybody ahead. wants a personally knitted sweater, I'm, I'm only charging $50,000. Knit around and find out. That's right. <laughs> great. Paul, always great to have you on. 
Always You're doing great, you. great work, dude. I appreciate it. Oh, sure. show. Yeah, All Paul, right. you don't get to have a club. You, you have to do more foyers. All right. I'll work on that. Actually, yeah, get to work. Get to work. <laughs> MB, it's been too long. Good, good talking to you. I know. All right, sweet. Jack, again, it was your day. Thanks for inspiring this. And uh, we'll talk to all you guys later. Later. Take it easy, guys. Later. Later.